0: Kelsey writes in, any more trade prospects? Well, we've heard a little bit of rumblings about the Predators being interested in Jonathan Drouin. I don't think Drouin comes here for, because, number one, I think they like what they have with Fiala. I think that if Fiala had came up here and just I, I mean, it still may be too early to say that, but I think Fiala fits what the Predators want him to do, and that just be kind of a wild card in a lineup with a template, one center, template you know, top line winger. He can be that guy. I think Drouin is kind of a bit more of a playmaker. He's got a bit, of, he's Got a little bit of a pariah to him. Not saying that Fiala is a perfect angel, or especially he wasn't in Milwaukee with his, you know, <laughs> salute to the Lake Erie Monsters. But I think there's so many teams interested in Jonathan Drewan that you're going to see some crazy bidding at some point.
1: Well, also, I didn't really hear a lot of rumors about the Preds being in on Jonathan Drewan until. David Poyle was on SiriusXM and admitted that he made a call to it. And that's all he said. He said, I made a call to inquire. And they asked him, you know, well, what's the price and everything? And I was like, I, I couldn't tell you. And then all of a sudden it's like, the Preds are in on Jonathan Drewin. it's like, no, he made a call to inquire about it because that is his job as a general yeah, it's manager. It's like saying
0: you did your homework as a college student. right? You, do you want a pat on the head? You did it. homework. Right. It would, be, it would
1: be more newsworthy if he didn't make a call to it. And he was very reluctant to say that. I think because of that, like, oh, the Preds are in on Jonathan Drewin. Well, we don't know that a fact.
0: Well, if anything, have it, you would tell people that because it's going to drive the price up because the Predators do have a lot of prospects that are kind of A, B, A, B level, you know, prospects in the lower leagues. If anything, you've let your opposition, yeah, sure, we're in on it. Oh, snap, Preds are in. I, I Let's get in on that. I, I also <laughs> think P- Boyle is too mild to
2: go up to be on that call it and, and be snarky and say yeah, I called him and Twenty other guys called him too. Right, like everyone called the Iserman. Mm-hmm. I, I You know, and I think I threw. I, I talked us a little bit, um, you know, off the show about you know these these gems. They're not like in castles flinging, you know flaming balls of tar at each other. They talk. They meet with each other. I mean, the, these guys are not isolated. They, right. there may be politics between them, but they're probably the buddies. So great. <laughs> I mean, they're probably absolutely well. Just, let,
1: let's. Uh, Jeremy Jacobs might actually fit that mold, but all the other ones.
3: Yeah, I
2: mean these guys communicate. They talk on a regular basis. Probably have dinner when they're when they're visiting either, each I'm other. Just imagining Brian
0: Burke like the moment he sees like Peter Chiarelli coming close, you know.
2: <laughs> you, should, you should see the NHL GM paintball retreat. It's
3: brutal.
0: And welcome into a show that is happy to see other people for the first time in a few days. This is the PredCast brought to you by Lion Zone Internet Marketing Solutions on the 4 He's Chris Link. He's John Garcia. I'm Dan Bradley. That's so true because uh, before today, I didn't see anybody other than the four walls of my apartment and uh, lots of little computer characters building things for me, and that was about well,
2: it. People are generally overrated, so I mean, I, I enjoyed the solitude. It wasn't really much different than a normal week for me, though.
1: See,
0: I played it smart.
1: On Thursday night, I drove over to my girlfriend's house and had both my pets in tow. So we were, I mean, You were, you were yeah, yeah, we we pre-prepped. Yeah, we were set. So, yeah. See, I had, I had, unfortunately,
2: a very different experience with all of this. I was supposed to fly to Dallas on Thursday. Now, if you, if you remember, if, if those, those listeners who are in the Nashville area will remember, there were no weather problems on Thursday. So you may wonder why I didn't end up in Dallas. Well, my plane apparently had a broken de-icer, and they did not have a spare de-icer part in the city of Nashville, and so they said, your plane may or may not take off, so they delayed it until 10 p.m.
1: What time did you get to the airport?
2: Uh, My flight was supposed to leave at 12.30 p.m., so they delayed it until 10 p.m., and then they just couldn't get the part, so whatever. So I I basically said, okay, called them and said, can you get me out in the morning? What's the earliest flight? So they put me on a 5.57 a.m. flight leaving Nashville. I'm like, I'll get up before the weather. I may get trapped in in, in Dallas, but you know, I'll, I, my company will give me, get me a hotel room, and they'll make sure I get back home. It'll be fine. I can spend a weekend, basically a free weekend in Dallas, and not be in the just the links kind of
0: town. <laughs> well, but I mean, there's it's Dallas. There's things to do. Oh wow, Kennedy was shot right over
2: there. And yeah, no. but still. I mean, it's like there there could be worse places to get stuck. Like I could be in the middle of Iowa. Though I hear Des Moines is nice. I don't know. Um, so I'm like, okay, I get up, and I'm like, I need to get to the airport really early. So. I think I get to the to like um the terminal at like four forty or something like that AM. So I get up at like three thirty and everything. The lines for security are past the check in, like where you check in your baggage, wrapping around almost like there's not enough room. So there's like the the line to check in for your bags is like crossing the line to go through security and no one knows what's going on. It takes me over an hour to get through security. Oh god. I get to the gate, my flight to take off at 5.57, I get to the gate at 5.53, and I'm like, can I get on? And like, the doors are closed, and I'm like, o- okay, and there's like maybe a dozen other people there who all were in the same line I was, and no one can get on the plane. They're like, yeah, we, get, we also have a policy where we give the, the tickets away 10 minutes, or the seats away 10 minutes before the doors close. So I'm like, even if I got here 10 minutes earlier, I wouldn't have a seat. And they're like, no. Now keep in mind, this was like it, this place had descended to chaos. There were people cutting in line, people fighting, like it, there were guys who would just cut in the security line and like move stanchions and things like that. Nothing's and worse. And people were
0: yelling at each other and So this was okay, so for on the on the scale of rage, like you have um, tennis match stampede or tennis match people, you know, angrily clapping to like we get a like Walmart Black Friday. You or you, you past Walmart Black Friday.
2: No, we, we weren't quite there. Um I was the thing that made me most nervous was that we're in Nashville, Tennessee. And granted, everyone's trying to get out of the city. Because I'd be worried that if it was more, like, hardcore, like, heart of the South, the people who were cutting in line were, like, they looked Arabic. I'm like, oh, this could, could, like, turn into something. And, you know, like, because I'm there, too. And I'm like, you know, they're like, we've got 13 minutes to get to the gate. And I'm like, everyone else in this line has 13 minutes to get to their gate. And I'm, like, gesturing wildly. I'm the one who's actually, like, making all this noise. (laughs) um, Which, which often surprises people because i tend to be pretty quiet in those situations but it's like you don't do this to people everyone's here and so obviously it's my flight well i get standby fourth in line on the next flight i actually get a seat on the flight i'm just a little surprised then it gets delayed 15 minutes there's three more planes ahead they have to be de-iced Get, then I look up and I'm on the phone with my boss and, I, and I'm like, I don't know if I'll be on the plane. You know, I, I I just I can't tell you for sure. It just started snowing about four hours earlier than anyone had predicted. And I and I looked I had looked up at the flight panel. I looked down. I looked back up. And this like between the the, the seconds I looked down and looked back up, about two dozen flights had been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just I'm just like, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna make it. And my my plane didn't actually took off. I don't think. Um, I got like, I just had like all these cancellation notice in my inbox, like my flight to go home was canceled before I even got home from the airport. Jeez. Um, cause I had to drive, I had to drive home and the, they were even saying the the buses that take you to po- the economy parking and things, they're like, yeah, we'll probably in, within a few minutes, they'll probably tell us just to park the buses. Wow, Um, because the, 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 they were, it's ice. And if you were yeah. in the economy lot at national airport, there's a lot of hills for yeah. a, for a parking lot. So yeah, I just, I ended up having to, I was on an eight hour conference call and had to present over the phone.
3: And yeah,
1: the, the <laughs> PredCast group has not had very much luck with airports recently because I got stuck coming out from D.C. Oh, I got Christmas. I got lucky. I
0: know yeah. it, I'm getting in and out. I, I'm not flying anywhere in your time really soon. So don't. I yeah. guess
1: I is the moral of I'm, the I'm story.
0: Yeah, at least you weren't flying to D.C. over this weekend.
1: Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have gotten there. My, my, <laughs> I got a text from my parents uh, last night. They got 30 inches of snow where they're at. And they're 20. my mom's. My mom's a teacher. She didn't go to school Thursday or Friday. She's not at school today, and I know for a fact that they're not going to go Tuesday. Anything else from there, who knows? Yeah, I mean,
2: Philadelphia got um, 20, 21 inches in some areas. I know even up up a little bit north, they were still getting 20 inches of snow.
0: Well, I I think I talked to my parents uh, once, and uh, they said the weather down in Panama City was nice, and (laughs) um, that's all I really have to add in this one.
2: Yeah, apparently Florida doesn't get a lot of snow. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah.
1: News to me.
0: So I, I made the decision. You know, if I'm going to be stuck inside for a few days, I decided to pull the trigger and buy Civilization 5. And I'm surprised you even showed up today. Yeah. I, that was still on Link before we started today that, um, at one point I forgot to drink water. <laughs> at one point I'm just sitting there, I'm like, oh. It's
1: <laughs> like, oh, is it already three in the morning? I haven't had
2: my last no, four was, meals. I've been there. I've been there. Yeah.
0: I, I actually, I, I made breakfast and no one's going to, care what I look like because no one's even walking outside because there was so much snow on the ground. So I'm just in my bathrobe and just, you know, just typing away and just enjoying, you know, Civilization and I look down and it's 3 o'clock.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, as someone who's got close to somewhere around 450 hours of gameplay playing to Civilization Civilization I totally get where you're coming from because it, even, even though everything, like, a Whatever leader, because you play as a world leader, you choose doesn't have a huge impact, but it's still fun to play yeah, as a certain leader. My first guy was Gandhi, actually. Oh, Gandhi! So you, you didn't play against Gandhi at any point? No, I
0: didn't play against Gandhi. Okay, so
2: uh, there's a the thing about Gandhi, and any anyone who's played Civilization knows this. Um, but there was a in the, in the original Civilization, there was a bug because everyone has different personality ratings, and so uh, some are more one of rational, those, yeah, some, some of are less more, rational, gre- yeah. So yeah. there's a, there's an aggression rating. And Gandhi was coded to have an aggression rating of one, the lowest possible aggression rating. Well, there's, uh, you, there's so many options you choose to build a civilization, like what kind of culture you're going to have, what kind of government. Well, there was one, I, I cannot remember which category it was in, but there was a, there was a thing you could choose that would lower aggression, other cities' aggression towards you. Yeah. And so it would lower Gandhi's aggression as well, and it would make it a negative one. You can so, do that? Well, that's the thing. When it was a negative one, it wasn't the system wasn't programmed to handle that, so it would default to the highest value possible, which was like two fifty five. Now, granted, no one was supposed to ever have an aggression because it was only supposed to raise or lower it a couple points. So you know the guys were in a range that were fairly tight. The, the, well, so and the Gandhi was this, on? was this on two. This was or the revolution? original. Okay. So this was on the original. So he would have an aggression of two fifty five, which meant that Gandhi would just attack and nuke everybody all of a sudden, just act totally irrationally and just go insane. And that was a. It was considered a bug, but the thing was, it was so defining that they kept it in the games. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, I was wondering because I had yeah. I had Civ two and then yeah, Gandhi's just being like Kim yeah. Jong Un with money and functioning so, weapons. So when Civ bad.
2: five sort of revived the franchise, which hardcore Civilization fans just recoiled and bristled that I just said that because they tend to be a little cold on on Civ five. Uh, but Civ five kind of repopularized broadly the series. That was still in there. So Everyone's like, why is Gandhi insane? Oh, it's because it's his, it's just a feature of the game that they kept in because it was originally a bug. So that means Gandhi would just start attacking people and dropping bombs and just going mad.
1: You know what that kind of reminds me of. It reminds me of in uh, the original Diablo that they <laughs> said you know the rumor about the secret cow level and like oh if you find a portal you're gonna find a level just of nothing but cows. Yeah. So in Diablo two they actually added the secret cow level.
2: The secret cow level two goes Yeah. The secret level in in Diablo three. At least I don't know if they add a new one in, in Reaper of Souls, but in in three the the. Uh the secret level is, is as insane. It's oh, like, yeah. full of like stuffed bears and it's it's just all like bright and colorful and gorge and, and really tacky and terrifying and hilarious. Hmm.
0: I actually ended one of my meetings last week with the uh Team Fortress 2's Meet the Pyro video. Either of you seen this? Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, where he's like giving away candy canes and lollipops and in reality he's just like beheading people and, and torching things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My it's my desktop at work. So they got two monitors. One of them's like a uh, water painting of the pyro like spreading rainbows over a hilltop and the other side is him just like burning down the village yeah, that's
2: my that's kind of my daily affirmation yeah
0: i need that nice. good enough smart enough and doggone it people like me we have hockey to talk about mm, yeah i Three guess games to talk about uh, started off with a loss against chicago because as is tradition chicago at the time this was they were on a awesome winning streak by their standards and um there were some rumblings going into this game, whether or not Nashville was going to play Carter, Hutton, or Peck, or Rene. They ended up going with Rene. Uh, Rene had, he didn't look bad during this game, but I felt that Chicago was, they weren't going to lose this game.
1: I don't think that he looked good during that game either. I, From what I remember, granted this is nearly a week ago, and I have so much Firefly reruns in my brain right now <laughs> from the snow day that uh, it might get a little bit convoluted. But from what I remember, there were times where he was like really jumpy, um, and we saw it a couple of games beforehand where you know he was getting out of his crease and getting caught out of position. Not as bad as not, the, no, the not, road trip. Not nearly as bad, but it was still kind of happening, and I remember that there were a couple times where people were going to shoot, and he was like lunging to make saves and getting on the ground really fast, and not something that you're... Uh, accustomed to seeing with Rene, because usually is uh, much cooler, much calmer in the net than yeah. he was showing on that night. I
3: mean, that,
2: that game was a little interesting, because the Predators kind of came out, and they were looking very even, if not a little bit better than the Blackhawks. And then at some point, it, I, I don't know if, if the hockey gods decided to intervene, or or they decided the narrative needed to drive forth and drive onwards, but the Hawks just, just kicked into overdrive, dominated for the middle chunk of the game and they just sort of said eh, that's good enough and let the predators finish you know kind of sputter and and finish out however they wanted to finish out uh and that that's really and then once that onslaught started Pekka just seemed to be like not prepared for that mentally and just as john was saying was sort of all over the place and scattered and doing some odd things
0: the first goal chicago scored it was right at the end of the first period took advantage of a turnover a rare turnover by ryan ellis um that really seemed to kind of start like a domino effect. Now, Ryan didn't end up atoning for that sin by knocking in a slap shot goal. But since then, like Chicago, like you said, they found fourth gear and they were reaching for fifth and then they just kind of threw it in neutral for the rest of the game. Penalty kill looked pretty good, though.
1: Yeah. And that's, I'm sure that that's something that we're going to talk about uh, coming up. But uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that there are a lot. Uh, I don't want to say stagnant because that's not the right word, but they are much better positioned than, than we were. And we've harped on this for so long, how they're always just like moving around and they don't have any place on the ice and they're kind of just like, uh, you know, attracted to the puck in this kind of amoeba shape that follows around that eventually gets scored on. And now they're actually sticking to the spots that they need to do and they're being aggressive on the puck carrier when they can.
2: Yeah, yeah. If you can't, If you can't have a good active PK like the predators we're suffering from, you might as well be positioned well and do what little you can. Because at least if you're positioned well, you're going to be in the lanes. You're going to stop pucks from making, it, making through. And at, at le- if they're skating around you, at least you're somewhere useful rather than skating someplace and having a grand old time in the corner or whatever you're doing.
0: Yeah, if you're going to play the dreadnoughts, known as, uh, I think that's my new term for them, of Gostad and Nystrom, <laughs> at least put them in a position to succeed. And that's simply just not putting them out together. And having one guy as being your stationary guy and the other guy is kind of more of like the guy who goes out and chases them. I don't think it's a bad idea to have three penalty kill units out there. Mm-mm. I don't think it's a bad idea at all.
2: It, would you say instead of being dread knots, they're dread yeses? No, because
0: you want dread knot because well, I guess well, yeah, because be you dread
2: then. when the yes you do have dread. It's not funny, Dan. Don't don't try to help me. Yeah,
1: instead of a dread knot, it could be a dread bow. Huh? a dread Anyone? what? A dread bow. Instead of a dread knot. Oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's, All right. it's a little bit better than mine
2: it's a little bit better than mine
1: i could just hear so many <laughs> eyes just rolling in the back of their heads just a whole lot
2: of
0: we've just blinded our entire audience on accident <laughs> oh no I, I like dreadnoughts just because it's a big cumbersome old british battleship that can't really move. no you, you were being
2: clever we we're being stupid
0: Write <laughs> <laughs> this <clever, laughs> someone date and time this yeah exactly star date whatever um Follow it up, trip to Winnipeg, Rene back in net again. Again, I guess um, there was some more rumblings for Hutton to start this one, but Rene, a sign of falling behind early, and that was a pretty good goal. I'm not even going to get angry at him about that. Mm-mm. Nashville found that gear, and 2-1 for most of the game. They put them away at late, and we haven't seen that this team at all, from this team at all, with the exception of the Winnipeg infamous 7 nothing game, the Ottawa game, and I think the Montreal game. Nashville has struggled to put teams away without a shadow of a doubt. And we finally saw that with the last two games of the road trip, starting in Winnipeg. Um, I thought Yarncroke like had a great game, didn't really do a whole lot of stuff that showed up that showed up on the uh, stat sheet, but as the game went on on more and more, Yarncroke seemed to be more just everywhere. And it's like uh Peter Lavi let trust him a bit more. Now a big roster change that happened at this game, Kevin Fiala off the top line. I'll get your thoughts on that. Kevin Fiala had a bad game against uh I think he had a bad game against Winnipeg. What did he do wrong against Winnipeg? I the thing
2: that stood out to me most is that he seems to have like a really really good game and then just sort of disappear somewhere.
0: That's part of being a young player, though. Yeah, and
2: That's... so the I mean, so it just it says that you know either you you keep gaining the experience and diminishing roles or you get the one performance out of him. Other people get healthy and you and you send them back down. I mean, they were trying to the intent to bring him up was to spark the team. They got they got literally a spark out of it, and they seem to be chugging along better, and Fiala, I guess, served his role, and just can't keep up with a... I, I don't know, it, it's it's weird, because watching him in the first couple of games, where he was just... He, he and Johansson were just going crazy, and working so hard, and had little interplays, and they were willing to do fancy things with the puck, and it was so much fun to watch, and then just sort of disappeared, and maybe Laviolette didn't like what he was seeing, he didn't like the emphasis on on the uh the finesse plays before making the easy play. A lot of a lot of NHL coaches don't like that.
1: Yeah, and I could agree with that too because one of the things that I was seeing from him as well was uh a lot of turnovers. I saw a lot of uh floating in the defensive zone, which again, he's a young player, he's 19 years old, he's rookie. Uh he's a rookie. That's going to be something that's, you know, going to be fixed with time. Um I thought that maybe the scratch on in the Edmonton game also in getting bumped off the top line was more of a like hey slow down let's let's watch the play for a little bit you know let's you see where you need to go, maybe talk with some of the coaches, talk with some of the players that you need to, so you can watch the game from a slower speed from above rather and see what you're looking at rather than trying to do all that um in the game because I mean for a young player who's still i mean he's what he's played five games in the NHL, less than that. I mean, it's going to take time for him to get used to that timing, especially considering where he's come from in the past even year. I mean, he was, what, playing in Sweden a year ago? Maybe yeah, he had yeah. just gotten to the Admirals a year ago.
2: Yeah, and he's he's got a couple more years to to learn the game at the at, at this speed, and I think that's fine for Fiala. Uh, I mean, he certainly has demonstrated he's got the tools... Uh, and he's got the uh, the aggression to play in the NHL. Uh, so it's just a matter of of maybe a little bit of maturity, maybe a little bit more size, bulk put on in terms of muscle
0: and on and, and nice strength. I just have to wait and see, I think. I didn't see a whole lot of him. Uh, help. He must not have done anything absolutely terribly wrong in the Winnipeg game during the first period. But afterwards, he only took five shifts the whole rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Second, third period combined, five shifts. I
1: think he played 11 minutes or something like that, at least less than 12 Yeah. Um, No, I remember, uh, I actually remember it on Twitter because I had to go back and and, and go, actually, maybe that was the Chicago game. I don't remember. They're all running together. But there was a shift that he had um, in one of the two games that he was very much floating in a, it was like a two-on-two rush into the zone. Um, and then the puck got went to the corner He was very lackadaisical to go back yeah. and pick it up because I remember Dirk said something about it on Twitter um, and then a couple people chimed in after that that I saw on the timeline. So I went back because I was like, I do remember seeing that and thinking, you know, floating, but I don't remember it like actually grabbing if that makes sense. Like you saw it, but you didn't register it until you had to go back and see it.
2: Yeah, he really did have some invisible moments um, throughout. And that, and that was kind of one of the interesting things is he either was... The focus of attention or kind of invisible. And that's not a really great role for a guy you expect to be top six.
0: In Winnipeg, which Winnipeg's a fast team, they like to skate on the outside. They have some centers that aren't quite dreadnoughts, but they can skate. I mean, look at uh, Nikolai Ehlers. And that's a guy that uh, I'm kind of surprised the Preds took uh, Fiala over him because a lot of Ehlers may have been a more safe bet as far as a prospect. But Nashville wanted to go with a guy who's. Oh, you know, we got. Yeah, you need more Swiss. You need more Swiss, always. Um, Mike Rivera immediately started splitting shifts with him on the second line. Now, it uh, ended up working out okay because that top line, as far as the, uh, it's essentially become the power play unit now, where you have Ryan Johansson on the half wall, uh, Yossi on the other half wall. Rivera kind of goes behind the net and beside the nets, James Neal in the middle, and you have Shea Weber in the back. More of the 1 3 1 power play that uh, Phil Housley tended to bring in a couple years ago. Looking pretty good so far.
2: You know I I think is the most interesting thing that has changed with the Predators. I think we've seen a lot over the past week uh with the addition of Johansson is the the play behind the net. There's a lot more play behind the net going on um from the centers and, or if if you know, like Ribeiro, you know, as well. And that seems to be working for the team much better than the simple bomb from the from the point. And that's really the, that 131 one lends itself to that but in the umbrella that they've been doing and just trying to, to run everything to the point. And what were you we talking about maybe a month or so ago? How much, how much the Predators need to stop running all their offense predictably through the points? Well, the, one, the three, one, too. Yeah, the one three one solves that.
1: Yeah, and, uh, I mean, again, it opens up people to get closer to crash the net, which is what we're looking to, because if you're slowing down the game below the goal line, you have more opportunities for the forwards to come in towards the blue paint. And Ribeiro has some experience on the one-three-one, not just with the Predators, but with the Capitals as well. I mean, you see how well that worked out. Um, but I think it just goes to show how many options just that one player in Johansson opens up for the team because so many people are looking at him to not only make plays, but to score goals as well.
0: Follow that up with a trip over to Edmonton. Edmonton's been kind of a house of horrors for Nashville over the last couple of years, especially with the last year Barry Trotz, and even the that kind of went away last year with the style Nashville plays, but Kevin Fiala, scratch for this one. So a bit of a surprise there, uh, but when you think about it, Kevin Fiala is a guy who's turning the puck over a bit now, and the only way Edmonton's going to beat you with the current roster they have with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid out, turnovers. The only way Edmonton was going to win this game. Nashville ends up winning 4-1 to just like they did Winnipeg. It was almost like a mirror image for Nashville because late, uh, they put them away late Russell the control of the way the game uh, in the second period. Um, lasting impressions of this one,
1: I remember thinking the past week or so how invisible Mike Fisher was, uh, and then he gets on the goal, uh, gets on the score sheet with the goal. I thought that that was a very nice thing
0: for him. Shea Weber is a hell of a passer when he wants to be. Oh yeah, when he's got someone that when he's got someone that's actually expecting a pass, yeah, he's pretty good.
2: Uh, you know what. Uh, one of the one of the things that took away from the game was looking at it later is that all the predators needed to do was score a shorthanded goal because they scored a even strength, five on five, even strength, power play, empty net, and four on four. They needed that shorthanded goal and that would have made it just just perfect. They would have had that's not a hat trick. I don't know what's that was. Isn't would be that called. the Mario
0: Lemieux
1: hat trick? <laughs> score what a goal every way.
2: Yeah. yeah I, it, I guess you're yeah.
0: playing that Mario Lemieux would actually be playing on the penalty kill?
1: I'm pretty sure that Lemieux did that, didn't he? Was was I mean, it
0: wow. I he may have. I don't remember him being especially because the the old line about Lemieux is the two players most likely to score a goal will be Mario Lemieux on whoever he's playing against or whoever he was matched up against. Right. My uh,
1: my my history might be off, but I'm pretty sure that he did that.
2: Well, it, yeah, you could get him out there and get a shorthanded goal somehow. It's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, I just it, an aggressive that's penalty kill just little, like we talked about. It's a fun novel little thing. and I mean, I don't know. That game worried me a little bit because I thought the Oilers were doing a, a pretty good job against the Predators offensively, uh, I mean, which, which isn't too surprising given what they have to work with. Uh, but you know, I have to admit, the whole week through, I've been a little bit worried about the, the Predators still uh, because you know, realistically, they match up against the Winnipeg Jets really well. Every game between the two, no matter what the goal totals are, the actual play on the ice tends to be pretty even game after game after game. That's not the team I want the Predators to compare well against. Because, you know, something like, like the Oilers, you can take advantage of uh, miscues on the defensive line, which happened quite frequently uh, over this past week. The Oilers can eat that up, and, and they're very fortunate that Pacioretty was on point and stopping a lot, pretty much everything.
1: And one of the things that I was thinking about as well, and this kind of gets along with your point, was... That the Winnipeg game, even though they did a lot of little things right and they, you know, for the most part had a pretty solid game, it still wasn't very pretty. There's still mm-hmm. like a lot of things that went wrong that could have been worse. Um, I thought that the same thing kind of rang true with the Oilers game as well. So it's like, yes, they're get de- getting that first step to getting onto a winning streak and uh, starting to do the little things right and maybe build off their wins. But I was still a little bit, you know, well if they played Chicago again or St. Louis or L.A. I don't know if they would have that same luck and that score would be the same if they played the exact same yeah. game.
2: I mean I, with with playing against teams like uh like the Oilers like Winnipeg, I'm really looking for confidence from the players for them to reassert reestablish themselves in how they in their system and how they want to play and then maintain that against the teams. I mean because they have to these are the guys they have to beat. Now they have to maintain this against the guys who are right in front of them in the standings and eat those points back and get themselves into a secure position. I mean they still have something like uh roughly like an 80 percent chance of being a playoff team that's mm-hmm. that's pretty good yeah. but that i want that number higher i definitely want to see that number go higher and they're, they're going to need to beat the wild they're going to need to be able to <laughs> beat the avalanche uh as, as hard as it is to say uh and and of course roundly beat the teams in the
1: pacific yeah uh, and oh i'm i'm sorry i was going to say maybe oh. um do you want me to keep going no keep going okay um no, I was going to say that, and maybe this is a good time for the uh, predators to take that Canadian trip, because they've got some not-so very strong teams on there, and they, if they can go, you know, four and0, three and one, go into the all-Star break, and then you know, guys, we've piled those wins on, guys are getting goals. It may not be the prettiest hockey, but look, we can do this. This is what we've been saying all year, and then they come out of the all-Star break with their uh, heads high and full of confidence.
0: I think the All-Star break, I was seeing that uh, Chris Martell put it out on Twitter that the All-Star break comes in a bad time for Nashville. I may disagree with him slightly on this. And this is kind of more of a, I understand exactly where he's getting at because the team's finally getting hot, It's getting some confidence, and no one right now has shown a bigger confidence influx than Pecorine. Right. How about that snap on that, was, glove, on that glove save the other night? Well, And
1: it's, it was like, uh, that's kind of a metaphor almost, because it was like how bad did he look the past couple weeks before that, and now he's like... It's almost like nothing was wrong.
3: Yeah,
0: it's it's like the lights went off for him. And I'm looking forward to hopefully he finishes out this trip, you know, uh, playing at the same level because I hope he has fun this upcoming weekend. I mean, for all the stuff this guy's been through with the hip surgeries and just losing his form and then uh, had a really uh, had kind of a rough off season this year with his personal life, for him to finally be able just to cut loose and have fun playing hockey knowing that his game is coming back into form, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does afterwards. And I do know that All-Star games are terrible on goalies there's no law about that, but I mean, there's no, there's nothing uh, wrong about that statement. But having said that, I'm looking forward to at least seeing him having fun playing goaltender again. Just a thought.
2: No, I, I think that's a great point. And it does come a, uh, you know, a big ways down to confidence, to that mental state, because he just didn't seem, I you know, obviously rebound control is a big thing that he's been struggling with. He's usually lead at his positioning on the first shots is usually spot on perfect. And those are the two things that have been suffering the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, we don't. We can't expect his lateral movement to be as good based on all the injuries he's had. But his positioning has made up for that. Right. Um, I mean, that's the last ditch. So, uh, you know, we we've seen that a little bit more, and that's really encouraging from him and encouraging for the team as well, because that'll give them confidence to, to do things that they may have been hesitant to do prior.
0: I'm looking at the other shift charts here, and about midway through the second period, we started seeing an experimentation with uh, Mika Salamaki. On the top line, alongside James Neal and Mike and um, Ryan Johansson, bit of a surprise there. Uh, no, I mean it's honestly I don't what I mean.
2: Salomaki is sort of a there type player. I mean, where's Salamaki? There he is.
0: I, Look, listen for the crash. There yeah, I mean, I, I, if <laughs> yeah. I
2: his comparable on the team is is Gabby Bork, and I would rather have Gabby Bork because Gabby Bork has a history of scoring way more goals, um, and he's proven that. And Salomaki just seems to be present and i'm sure he's doing things that coaches really like and and maybe you know the, the superior hockey minds that are actually you know employed by as hockey minds because they're good i'm getting recursive here uh they see something but he just i mean he see maybe he defensively he's he's you know not a liability he does what he needs to do he finishes his checks he does all those things that checks all the boxes but uh, bork brings more to the game and if bork gets healthy i think he takes that spot easily
1: yeah, and I don't have anything against uh, Mika Salamaki and the way that he plays. Um, you know, he's not going to be lighting up the scoreboard. I don't think anyone should expect that from him, but I did find it curious a little bit because I don't know if I necessarily liked seeing him up on the top line. And I don't know whether that was for matchups or, you know, the, uh, someone else was, uh, you know, penalty killing too much and they needed to get some double shifts on or uh, what the reasoning for that was. But it's just one of those things that still kind of irks me about the season is just how in the blender the lines are all the time
0: which is the exact opposite of what they did last year right peter lavie let's said last year you need to have them get some chemistry together because you're not going to chemistry doesn't build any other way this year eh, not so much but again the team hasn't been winning as much you hope that the lines
2: coalesce around with with the johansson trade um and you get pairings that emerge and i think we've seen that a little bit uh, it's just f- trying to find that last element that fills in on the wing.
1: Yeah, and all teams have that. I mean, there are, there are plenty of teams that. I mean, you look at you know uh, and Perry. I mean, there's always a rotating carousel of players that go in there and try and play.
2: It's really hard to find. Three elite players to play together in your top line. You're always going to have one guy who's there for reasons, right?
0: And and then if and even if you do, you don't want to overload your first line to have your second, third, and fourth line just be me. Right. That's, that's the only reason my Philip Forsberg is not on the top line in Nashville because you need secondary scoring, and it made sense even when Bobby Ryan was in Anaheim. You had Getzlav and Perry. Ryan was only together with them when they when there was a power play, mm-hmm. and during this last year. Now the first uh, now the first couple of years when Ryan turned out to be better than expected. Yeah, it made sense. And uh, you had Solani still on the second line. So, I mean, I'm I'm okay with that. Um, I'll Timu. Mm-hmm. I do think when Bork comes back, Cody Bass is getting the first plane back oh. to Milwaukee. Cody
2: Cody Bass is continuing his his tour of being a certainly nice guy who's dedicated to the game of hockey, who doesn't really deserve NHL time for no uh, any other reason than he's been in hockey for a long time, and the Predators want to give him a paycheck. He doesn't
0: turn the puck over. He doesn't do anything really, really stupid with the puck. I finished that sentence with the puck and not with throwing hits because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he was trying to get suspended against Chicago. Yeah, and he's
2: he's playing the game he knows how to play and the game he's always played and there's guys who do what he does way better in the NHL.
0: It, the Predators just don't employ one of those guys right now. And, and that's okay. And that, no, that's great. Yeah, that's completely fine. Uh, I'm looking forward to Gabby Bork getting back. I didn't think I'd miss that kid as much as I do. It's but, weird, isn't it? Yeah, he's, I mean, here's the guy who accepted his qualifying offer, didn't even argue with it, and he asked me he's made he's made money this year by not being there, like wow he really took that kid for granted. Wow.
2: Yeah, but he's gonna come back. He's gonna contribute a few goals and he's gonna do what Salamaki does better.
0: Imagine, I mean they were really effective together when Salamaki and Bork were together. That's why I think they were they actually played their best hockey So you had two guys doing the same thing and you could just have Gosta just hanging around in the slot or hanging around somewhere else waiting for the puck to come to him. So I just had a ton when of jokes just not... about
2: about Gostad hanging around, you know, Sunday buffets and hanging around for the five o'clock dinner special. And
0: oh, it shrimp again.
2: I just think it just goes
0: to Golden. <laughs> he, he seems like a Golden Corral kind of guy, you know?
2: I, I actually had a I had an Uber driver who had driven all the way to the side of the town because he'd never eaten at a Golden Crown. He really wanted to try one. Wow. And I'm man. like, did, I'm, how... I'm like, we like, we need to support our immigrants better than that. I mean, he was telling me about when he visits his home. He's he was. I, is he from? He was from Ghana, Ghana, um, mm-hmm. in Africa, and he was talking. It's like I'm like I just didn't want to burst his bubble. Be like Golden Corral, really? I just like yeah, go, go to I, Golden Corral, have some fried shrimp. I mean, and he's yeah, a good time. If
1: he's if he's doing the country, you got to step up. Oh, he's so been like, here for a long time. Oh, he's never been to a Golden Corral. Interesting. Wow. Well, I yeah. mean, you got to you got to do it at least once.
2: He's a nice guy, though. We got stuck in traffic. We chatted. He was a good guy.
0: Uber drivers are are becoming, I think, the. Know, if you are going to write a book, I think it's a good job to have.
2: Yeah. Well, he's also a pro. I mean, he's like he, he's like a professional. He was a taxi cab driver, and he's a very nice Lincoln Town car he, that he did for Uber. So it was nice.
0: It's good. One last thing, a takeaway from this: uh, How about the play of Matthias Ekholm? Want to talk about that? Uh, played I, twenty-four I, minutes against I mean, uh, Edmonton. Yeah.
2: What can I add? I for for some reason I have become like the Nashville defense defenseman prophet <laughs> because I latch on the defensemen like where, right when they come to the team and say. He's good. He's, you know, and like, cause I've watched Eckholm for years, and when Trots like came down at a heart, I'm like, that's a colossal mistake from Trots. And then lo and behold, the second he was called up and allowed to play, he was phenomenal. And he's just been better and better and better.
1: And I think that's one of the understated aspects of the Jones trade is like, not only uh, does Seth Jones get to go out and strut his stuff in Columbus, but Matias Eckholm gets more responsibility as well. You you're pointing your nose oh, at us. No, I'm no, no, you're going. absolutely
2: right. No, you, you the you reminded me of something that I read that I thought was so funny and you bringing this up is just kind of a good segue. Okay. Um so I I don't remember who said this. So I I apologize this sort of kind of pulling this out of nowhere. There was someone talking about, "Hey, will, you know, with with Jones being pulled out and and, and moved, you know, are are Ellis and Eckholm really ready for those second line minutes?" And I just stopped and I and I thought to myself, "Does this guy not realize that Ellis and Eckholm were the second line pairing already. <laughs> I mean, how rid- how ridiculous is that to say? Uh but yeah, it's it's allowed them to feature more and people can see how well, good those two a, guys are. Well,
0: there was kind of an impression that they were kind of one A, one B or two A, two B. I mean, but, some nights that the Jones and Jackman played more, and then other nights, just typically when the Predators won, the other guys played more.
2: Yeah, I I think that I mean there is maybe some more balance, and so they get more ice time. I think that was kind of John's point. Mm-hmm. Like they get they get more ice time, but I I have to say that. It's hard to say that the combination, if you were just trying to let, like have talent levels, that the average of Ellis Ekholm was higher than the average of Jackman Jones, no matter how good Jones was.
0: I think my favorite part about that Ekholm-Ellis pairing, which sadly we're going to be seeing less of until they finally get Granberg with Jackman, which I think that makes sense just because Ellis and Ekholm are so good together. Uh, Granberg, I think he may eventually develop you know, maybe kind of like that good stay-at-home defenseman mentality because Ekholm's now... Taking the just taking the torch and ran with it.
1: Yeah, he's, well, he's
0: becoming more of the puck carrier guy, which is his game. Yeah, but the combined cap historically, hit, the combined cap hit of Ellis and Eckholm is astounding. Is
1: it like seven million dollars? It's or less something than that? that.
0: It's like six and a half million dollars. Man,
1: yeah, oh, I just want to drink it in. Yeah, six point two five
0: million dollars until uh, twenty nineteen. Yeah,
2: I mean, it, all the Predators need Ooh. to do is is develop a couple. Good, decent defenseman that they can roll into that bottom pairing, and they are golden for several more years.
0: And uh, again,
1: pun. Yeah, and they, uh, as from what I've oh. heard from outsiders, they. What, what did you say?
0: I made I made an accidental pun, and Dan called me. Out it was on solid. It. it was like oh, they're going to be golden for years. I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, oh. they're going to be wearing gold. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, well, I was going to say, from <laughs>
1: outsiders, they may have that in uh, Stephen Elliott, who is still making his way in. And Milwaukee. Jack Doherty, has or his, Peter uh, Grandberg, or Doherty, yeah. or I mean.
2: Yeah, Doherty's actually. I mean, Doherty projects to be higher than. Yeah, although
1: I think from our uh, uh, resident prospects guy Bryant, I think he's still several years away. Yeah, yeah Doherty's yeah.
0: only nineteen. He's got a long ways to go, but they're really high on. Um, I think they, they, they like Jonathan Ismail Diaby, but he's given them no reason for us to even to talk about him at this point. Yeah, has he done anything at all well, I, I other think than he's, fight
1: people? Yeah, I think he spent time in the ECHL again this That's year. That's not a is good sign. No.
0: Yeah, and I think I think I was is is Alm injured? Is he just getting flat out scratched? Uh yes and yes. He's getting injured too much. Uh, Nakiva, he's not looked terribly great either. Um Johan Alma I had a lot of hopes for. But they really like uh Andre uh, uh Carrier or Carrier. Carrier. I have,
1: uh, yeah, I don't remember how to say it, but they they took him this year, right? Uh, well, this was, past draft.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he I was mean, drafted it, uh in the 4th round.
2: Yeah. But the great thing about it is is that the the organization has plenty of time to develop more defensemen. They are so solid. In the in, at the NHL level, at the pro level, and they've got enough movable pieces where they can figure out some version of Potato, who hasn't been a complete disaster since he's gotten a Credit little playing him. time. Credit to Anthony uh, Potato. Granberg, who's shown some some uh, lack of chemistry with, I think the reason he's not playing with Jaguars is just total lack of chemistry there, and they need to figure out a way to communicate. Um, and then uh, Stephen Elliott, of course, who is sort of still the unknown. Yeah. Trevor
0: Murphy's kind of an unknown as well. Left-handed shooting defenseman that was undrafted. Uh, they ended up signing him whenever his junior contract had ended. He's 20 years old. They signed him to an ELC earlier this year. And um, I'm looking forward to Santa. He, right now, he's uh, done okay with the Admirals. He's got 13 points, 28 games. It's not bad. Not bad for a defenseman. Well, he had he had 63 in his last season at Windsor, which that was an overage season. But mm-hmm. still, that's, that's pretty impressive.
1: And I'll say this. When we're, you know, wringing hands about... Who the sixth defenseman is going to be? That's a pretty good problem. I'm to okay have with that. Th- yeah. you know? John,
2: this is this is an in-depth, detailed hockey show. If we're not ring your hands over the sixth defenseman, which arguably I think Jackman should default the sixth defenseman, and we're looking for a fifth defenseman because I I don't know. I kind of staggered like the stay-at-home guy back one. This is me and my philosophy.
1: Yeah, well, Jackman already he he's he's got his time served in there, so he gets uh, set up. Time ne- next episode, we're going to be uh, arguing who should be in the press box and what type of snacks they should be eating. So that's uh, okay. Important.
2: I have to admit, from ha- from glancing, I- I'm not. I mean, I was originally banned from the press box by uh, Chris Martel, so maybe someday that'll be lifted. You know, we're waiting on <laughs> his edict to come down. But you peek into that that break room, it just never looks that enticing. I'll be honest.
1: It's uh, you got some nachos, some uh, hot dogs that you usually. usually and so it's weird. They're either perfectly cooked or completely shriveled. Um, a lot of popcorn, lots of drinks. Cookies? Uh, uh, yeah, every once in a while.
0: Okay, the press box in Neyland Stadium is better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, this wasn't even the press box. This was the media workroom.
3: Yeah. yeah. They so, kept bringing
0: back cookies more and more, too. I mean, d- d-
1: dinner. Uh, you know the pregame meal that they have is generally pretty good.
0: Okay, that's that's what oh, I, was, I didn't yeah. know they do. Oh yeah, so you can cool. you can go
1: down and like you know where the event floor is, where the locker rooms are, and everything. They have a meal for media members. That oh, do, that's They'll, they'll do like um, I think the last like three times I've been there, it's been beef stroganoff. I don't know why I always choose to go on beef stroganoff night, uh, but they have like a, a range of different stuff, salads, and lots of desserts, coffee, hmm. drinks, all that stuff. That's different than the actual press
0: box stuff. All right, uh, question for you two real quick. Do you want to do, um, this is a bit of a surprise. I'm going through the comment section of today's Dump and Chase, which everyone should be reading anyways, and not always the comments, but at least the Dump and Chase. And I was not uh, expecting this, but there's actually several unsolicited questions for the Predcast today. So we can, there's there's about four or five we can get to from there. There's a few on Twitter as well. What do you want to do first, Twitter or comment section? Let's do comment section. Let's do comment section. All right. Because the Twitter questions are usually a bit more fun. Predcast, the the... Comment sections usually more serious. Yeah,
1: why would they do that? I've got to answer yeah. real questions.
0: Let's see here: uh, Titans, Preds, Grizz, Bulls. One of our friends writes in. I think his name's George. Hi, his George. His name is George. George, yes. I like I like Titans, Preds,
2: Grizz, whatever the rest of it is.
0: George, uh, with the unfortunate fiance who's a Chicago fan, writes in. The Preds have scored three or more goals in the last four of five games. Has it really been as simple as going to the net with bounces playing their part, of course? Or do you th- do you think it was other systemic changes that are paying off? Essentially, what are the Preds doing differently the, now that they're scoring goals again?
2: So, so the big thing they're doing differently is that they traded for Ryan Johansson.
0: That ha- that has a lot
2: to do with it. Two, they've been doing a lot of the right things for a couple weeks, and it has. In in the one thing they've been trying to do, they've been doing a better and better job of is having that net front's presence. And to to make my joke serious, Johansson brings a net front presence on the top line that has been lacking, that Fisher was having to fill that role because he was the only guy who could keep up at that level, even though he was minimally effective, relatively speaking. So you bring in a guy like Johansson, who has elite-level skill, and then all of a sudden, he's in front of the net, he's behind the net, he's distributing the puck, people are moving, people are rotating. He brings a dynamic to the ice that the Predator's been lacking for a very long time they, and, and frankly kind of is himself and all his talent replaces Hornquist in the ways that the Predators have been missing with the, with the hornquist Neil trade and brings a whole new level of talent with him as well. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, and then the rest of the team has sort of caught, caught up in the energy and they've been able to balance the lines a little bit more intelligently with the first line set up like it is. And so I think that's really the big thing. I think Johansson has such a huge impact.
1: Yeah, they play. And when you've got your first line from last year as the second line for this year, it makes a huge difference. And you know, as as I mentioned earlier in the program, that the Johansson skating opens up so many opportunities for his line mates just because of the uh, amount of attention that he brings to himself with the talent that he uses on the ice. Uh, Another thing, too, is that their percentages are starting to even out a little bit more. And that's, again, because they're doing a lot of the little things right that they've been doing for a couple weeks. Um, I forget why, but during one of the games, I uh, was answering a question for someone and looked back to December 31st um, and looking at the... Numbers there because
0: the New Year's Eve game against Dallas sucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking at the numbers, it
1: was like it was the 31st until about just a couple weeks ago. This might have been during the Jets game. Uh, they had a shooting percentage of five percent. That's not that's not good. So th- those numbers are starting to get get around because I mean, Nashville's save percentage has been awful. Their uh, shooting percentage has been awful. Now Peck is starting to play a yeah, little bit I, better. Their uh, forwards are starting to play a little bit better.
2: I, the one thing that is that that sucks to say is that through this season, and especially the past few months, there's only been one team in the NHL with worse puck luck than the Nashville Predators, and that's the Anaheim Ducks. And the Ducks have been essentially been cursed all season in, in that term because they couldn't do anything right despite doing everything right a lot of nights. And so it, it's kind of funny that the Predators and Ducks have both started kind of turning it around. The Preds having much less of a correction to do than the Ducks, who need to basically be elite to make the playoffs. Or, well, they're in the Pacific. They have to
1: be fine to make the playoffs. <laughs> to be just marginally okay.
0: <laughs> uh, P. Peterson, uh, 614, writes in, who should be the left wing next to Joey and Neil?
2: Whoever's got a hot stick that night. I mean, that's that's a that's a tricky question because we were talking earlier about pairs and having pairs work together. So it really should be, you know, if, if someone's skating particularly well, if someone had a good practice... Uh, give him a shot at that line. Let them see how they fit in dynamically. I, I think Dan, you even said at one point Forsberg sort of, you'd love to have him there, but you need to have more. I'll rephrase the question. I'll
0: rephrase the question. Assuming everybody on the roster is healthy and Philip Forsberg is just married to the second line, like you're not going to move him off there because after that the second line is just whatever. So who would you put up there if you if you're uh, it's a tie game third period everybody's healthy who's your left winger and feel- for me it's Colin Wilson.
1: I was going to say is there. I don't think there's any other answer for that. Assuming that everyone's healthy.
0: Well, you mean, Mike Ribeiro didn't look bad out there. You know, the power play works well whenever he's out I, there. I with just them. default to throwing Craig Smith up there, even though Craig Smith's kind of more of a right-handed shot.
2: Uh, well, right-handed shot on the left wing—that's fine.
0: I mean, he is. I mean, a if, really if you were
2: well in your scenario, if you're trying to score a goal in your third period and you need, I'm going to throw out a guy who's going to throw the puck in the net who's got a good record of scoring. He maybe, maybe may you know, and it might be his offhand or something. But I want him. I'd want him. I mean, out James
0: there. Neal plays on his offhand. I don't think that's hurting him.
2: Yeah, I, I have no issue with that. If he's comfortable playing there positionally, give him a shot. I mean, because he's, he's comes down that, that left wing, and he takes shots from there, and he scores from there.
3: Yeah,
1: I mean, I think Colin Wilson could be fine on the, on the top line. I'd like to see him a little bit more because, I mean, we all know how good of a player most of the time Colin Wilson is, and he can do a lot of the little things right because you've got James Neal there who's just going to be a uh, nothing-but-shoot, uh, Ryan Johansson just kind of kind of be like the cohesive unit there and then Wilson can be there to bang bodies get into the front of the net that's
0: a big line that mm-hmm. plays well on both sides of the ice
2: yeah I mean the Wilson answer is probably better than mine I acknowledge that I just it's have not a my, audience, I just bro. my internal bias okay. I think also Wilson's great doubles answer.
0: down and asks, how far away is this team from truly contending for a Stanley Cup now the one center The Predators make a push in the next few years, and I say yes to that because immediately after this deal happened, that was my gut reaction that this isn't just a this-year move. At some point, when you have a 23-year-old one-center and you have the the winger prospects this team has and the center prospects they have a little bit further down the road, as long as they get goaltending straightened out, which I believe they will eventually with either Rena coming into form or giving one of the kids a chance, at some point we may have a parade here. It may only be one but I honestly think that it's really possible.
1: I think that there's still a little bit of ways to go. Not that I'm discounting anything that you said, because I believe that things are looking much better for the future than they were at the start of the season. Uh, but as far as, you know, within a couple years or anything like that, I mean, there, you've still got uh, Eric Nystrom hanging around. You're going to have the Mike Fisher and the Mike Ribeiro contract, which next year could look very problematic. And then they're are still a lot of question marks as far as, uh, you know, the kids coming up. You know, how is Colton Sisson's going to do with full-time duty? I imagine he'd do fine. He'd do great, actually. The Um, grind
0: in the AHL has got to be pretty tough compared to the NHL. Yeah,
1: and so, but you still got all these parts. Okay, so they've got a good foundation now. They've got a good defense. They need to figure out the goaltending. Now they need to supplement it with, you know, other trades or other free agents, something else. So I think that there's still probably a little ways to go.
2: Yeah. These sort of questions always throw me a little bit because, you know, the the Predators have a lot of really good pieces. And they have a lot of pieces that have shown the ability to to kind of, for long spurts, outperform. Uh, And while that's not ever sustainable and it's a little streak-driven and a little bit dangerous in that sense, you know, they're kind of one really good D20 roll away from a deep, deep playoff run. uh, And you can never discount that practically speaking if you really want to try to eliminate as much random chance from this as possible i think john's right you are a few years out uh let your defenseman mature a little bit more solidify that bottom pairing maybe with a bit more confidence have your goaltending ironed out and then get some stability in terms of your depth scoring because there's still some question marks there for the predators
0: yeah i think that's all true but i think i've seen less flawed teams win a cup than what the Raiders are going to be the next two or three you mean more flawed teams? You're right, yeah. I've seen more flawed teams win a Stanley Cup. Carolina won a
2: Stanley Cup. Yeah, we love throwing that one out there. Uh, They're like the A
1: number one plus example. And they played against Edmonton from that year, which was (laughs) the same
0: idea. I mean, when the Kings won the Cup the first time around, they weren't a perfect team. They made the right moves at the right time, but that team couldn't score two-thirds of the way through the year.
2: Yeah, and that's that's why why
0: it sometimes comes down to rolling the dice a little bit. Yeah, the... um, the Blackhawks—the first time they won it. I mean, that the first Blackhawks team I reckon I think was the best team.
1: That team was so freaking deep. Yeah, like I looked at the roster because you know twenty ten is a long time ago, but I looked at it the other day and I was like, oh my God, those guys were playing on probably the third line over there.
0: Yeah, you had Dustin Bufflin and Andrew Ladd on the third line.
1: Like, what the hell?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that was just silly. Last question from the comments section. A lot of good work in the comments section, by the way. Today, congrats to everybody involved. Oh man. This name R P N O S or pardon C I T I. There has been a lot of discussion about possible deadline moves to improve the team for a playoff run. This is a question. Um, this is a mad living here. This is link. This is like your ideal question.
1: Here. You would love this question. I saw it.
0: If they are interested in at uh, or they if they are instead sellers at the deadline. Look at that smile. If they are sellers at the deadline, what deals might make sense and what lineup changes might be beneficial in preparation for next season? Play them kids, play yeah. them kids. I mean,
2: the thing: there are so many depth players the parties could try to move who are not in bad contracts. You know, honestly, could a team look at Mike Ribeiro and say, "This guy may be a little on the old side, but his contract is only three million for two seasons. He can st- still distribute the puck really well. He can play power play minutes, and if you get a cup, it's probably worth it because it's a cup and all the revenue from that." So you know, and you even go deeper down than that. Could someone be like, "Oh, we really need to stabilize and win more defensive zone draws"? That's a big problem because we still think faceoffs matter a whole lot. Maybe a, a Gostad is because he's essentially a rental because his contract runs out at the end of the season. Mike so Fisher, same same idea. There's big benefits there. Mike Fisher, you have a lot of difficulty trading Mike Fisher because he's Mike Fisher. He's, he's Mike Fisher. I mean, he's despite the fact that he's not even one of the top nine forwards on the on the roster he still has his face plastered all over the city right he's really important for a marketing that's that's why it's fun to talk about trading shea weber from like a like a you know ease up how you're spending and bringing a bunch of assets you can't trade him because he's the captain and the fan base would riot like the core fan base would riot i think mike fisher's kind of in the same category yeah
1: that just drives me nuts
2: not to mention the, a guy who's going to retire and live out his whole life in Nashville. Do and you make really lots want to trade of him? beautiful children. Yeah, you really yeah. want to. You you really think he's going to accept a trade somewhere? Because I think he's got protection. Let's on think his contract. about this
0: here for a second. Let's look deeper into this before we get to break. Um, chances are, Mike Fisher's child is probably going to play hockey. That's just a safe bet. Hockey players raise hockey players. Think about the moment, like eighteen years down the road from now, when that kid is probably going to be drafted.
2: Oh. Man. And the Predators do make a stupid trade just to be able to draft him. Yeah, or he's gonna or he goes in like hey the, he's a Tennessee you know resident. It's or, or it's like a Brodeur's son thing where he goes in like the last. You round. know where it's working? Right.
0: Um, Arizona and in Detroit where they're drafting just player sons and they turn out to be oh they're really good prospects. Yeah, it's amazing. Hockey, well, I mean, it makes
2: sense. Hockey is an expensive sport. It, being able to afford the best of what you of everything and getting the skating training and all those sort of things gives you a huge advantage.
0: And you know, uh, we're going to touch a bit more after the break. But uh, Alexander Barkov is probably the probably the safest bet out of the top four picks in that draft from back in 2013. And um, he's a son of a player, son of a coach too. So it makes. I mean, you know, you're going to get more of a stable kind of polish. I mean, Seth Jones is polished too. Hmm. Dad was a pro athlete, so coming up after the break we're going to talk about some nhl topics also plenty of questions on twitter as well this is a podcast brought to you by lions on internet marketing solutions and on ontheforecheck.com
4: these days you need a partner current and latest website design standards one that also provides quality support services like hosting email e-commerce cms and more and you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing like social media search engine marketing rich media and email marketing You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need Lionzone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402, or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999.
0: Welcome back in. So we didn't even put it out today that uh, we were taking questions. Like I'm, I'm glad that we've at least trained our audience to the point that, well, if they didn't record it on Sunday, they must be recording it on Monday. And uh, that's pretty awesome. Thanks. He's a good guys. audience? You are. He's a good yeah. audience. Yeah. Ding! Sorry, we were looking at dog pictures on the break. <laughs> oh, God, we totally kinda, did that. Kind of fixed Pavlov's
1: dog with the uh, comments section. now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, we did. Uh,
0: let's see here. I'm going to start with this one because... Um, Matt Scully went through the uh, who Add on the power play He's like our evil twin Went through the trouble of actually screenshotting something here And this is fun I always like doing rank lists He says rank the uh, following In order of importance for the Nashville market And he's got on here I'll turn around my nice $45 tablet here Hosting All-Star Weekend Hosting the NHL Draft in 2003 First playoff series Which was what 2006 I don't know I've slept since then Gold identity rebrand or the signing of Paul Korea.
1: So I'd put playoffs at the top.
2: Wait 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 could you just can you leave that facing us? Yeah, sure. I'm gonna forget yeah, sure. before I, I was trying to go because I had I saw the tweet he sent out as well and I was trying to find it real quick, but I, it's not gonna
1: happen. So right away, I would go playoffs is number one draft at the complete bottom
2: yeah it, it, it's kind of tradition for a new for a young teams to be given drafts pretty quickly. Because, um,
0: hey, you're probably going to suck, so let's build a yeah, building.
1: Um, and then not even give him the number one pick.
0: Yeah, that's just insulting. Uh, Yeah.
2: So I, I definitely think you, you had put the uh, the draft at the bottom, and then uh, probably the – this is where – I mean, that's the easy one. Yeah. It's uh, so the draft at the bottom, and then – and granted, I, now, see, here's the issue for me. I, I get how important the Pol Korea signing was. I was not following the Predators when he was signed. Huge, it was a huge deal. Um, so I know it was a huge deal. So I don't want to like put that down um, for any reason. So, I mean, But I at have... the
1: same time, this is the way that I look at it. Because as big as that was then, I mean, what has it really done since then? I mean,
0: I, like, well, for there me, was, like, going, it there just doesn't gap, seem like it... Because re-
2: you, had, you had Korea, and then... When was the next big free agent signing for the Predators?
0: Matthew Lombardi was a big deal when he signed here. People forget that. he was actually no, a big I, deal. I remember
3: that.
2: but he,
0: And he played how many games?
3: Two games. Mr. So
0: Glass. when was the last time
2: that you had a ma- big impact free agent signing? Big free agent, big impact.
0: Ribeiro probably, maybe. Yeah, because they had a press conference and everything with him at the jersey and his chain wallet and his youth pastor look. Yeah. Was yeah, I mean, deal. the two
2: biggest acquisitions prior to Johansson were Ribeiro and the return of Alexander Radulov.
0: Mm-hmm. Man, that was a big moment.
2: Um, So, uh, you know, when you look at that, it was like they they hit this spike and then it was more of a, like looking back, I see it as this sort of Phoenix moment where they were like bright burning and then the next season they were ashes. Right. Or when, you know, they were, not the next season, but they were essentially ashes. And
1: that's the thing too, is because that move doesn't reverberate around like the halls of Bridgestone Arena as much as like a big one would. To me, it's like, yes, it happened. There it was. It was great to get them. But now it's just it's an afterthought.
0: I, 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 okay. I would go with um, my recorder, The top, the the top's got to be the uh, the the first playoff series. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. the draft's going to be at the bottom. The first the end of the two thousand three yep. draft. It's the middle three. I would put the. Um, here's the reason why the, the Paul Korea deal was big for me, and I have a very negative view of this because usually, be whenever you whenever angry uh, caller called into sports talk radio, the first thing they would always go to would be, well, they got Paul Korea to sign here because no one wanted to sign in Nashville especially under the Barry Trotz, you know, uh, regime of this team, no free agent wanted to sign here and play the style that Nashville was playing. So that was, that was a real frustration here. Now I think that's going to be a bit lessened. you have guys like Barrett Jackman wanting to come here and finish out his career. So the Korea thing, I think it needs to be, I think it's a number four because there's no lasting effect of it, but those were some really fun years when they was, when he was here. Um, all Star Weekend, I'd probably put that in maybe like the number three slot and then honestly, be probably number two.
1: No, honestly I think I'd put All Star Weekend in the number two slot because I mean there could be um, some, you know, lasting implications for how that turns out. If it turned out to be a really good weekend. Plus, you know, revenue generated for the city, you know, all the players coming here to a city that they already all admittedly love. I mean I think Matthew Shane's like Yeah, Matthew Shane's loving this right now. And I think that if you would if you pulled most of the like a you know, 40 NHLers and said that uh, just list your top five favorite cities that you love to go to for non-hockey reasons. I think probably all of them would probably put Nashville up there. Yeah, And I think the uh,
2: the most intriguing, we haven't spent any time talking about it. I think the most intriguing thing on there is the uh, the gold, gold rebrand. Yeah.
0: I got one that's not even on there. What about the acquisition of Steve Sullivan? That's a huge move. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to talk about old, like seminal moments of the franchise, yeah. that's huge. I... I... You know, in
2: in looking at the franchise in itself, it seems really big, but you're acquiring a guy who is seen as you know getting to be an overage player, um, still effective, but not in his prime. They don't make the playoffs without Steve Sullivan. Right. I'm not arguing the yeah, effect he had on the that's... team. I'm I'm saying that you know it only if if it's only within the context of what the Predators had always already always known, then it's it's pretty big. Um, if if I compare it to other things that I you know you know watching the flyers and, and watching other teams and things like that and big splashy moves and so, oh, you with know, small potatoes yeah, yeah. It's, so I mean I think the list that Matt provided is a really solid one in the sense of how impactful these things are um, I mean I think the Sullivan thing was was like the Korea thing but it's like several notches below so I think that's going to be beneath like the Korea which puts I think beneath maybe the draft which means why rank it. Um, I think I might. are doing five. I things. think I might put it above and the I draft. And feel, I feel like I just like insulted Steve Sullivan, and I feel bad about that. But
0: uh, you can uh, find him on Twitter at three D link. Let's see. Andrew Varenkamp writes him with some good ones here. But, Does this road trip represent a new dawn? Or are we going to go? Are we going to crash back to earth when better competition comes around? Hey, okay. brings, brings up a good point that yes, the, this, these are the Jets, the Oilers, you no, know, the Flames, and you no, know, probably the Canucks. And,
2: and despite the goal lines, the Predators weren't dominant in gameplay they they kind of finally had things going their way that were going against them before so i think there's a lot to prove i don't think the idea that they have to they can crash back down to earth is based on the concept that they are high enough to truly count as crashing and they're not there yet they are they are hovering daintily over the ground looking at it with apprehension and just seeing the sun in the distance and maybe they're going to be able to get the wings beating and get up higher but they're not there yet
1: yeah, and I'll just refer back to what I said earlier in the program, which is that this could be a good confidence builder for them, the road trip going into the All-Star break. I mean, if, if they win the next couple games, who knows?
0: I'm with you on that. Who knows? He also writes in, uh, Any hope for that fourth-line transaction or a backup goalie move to kind of... Uh provide some more uh, security depth. I think the fourth line's going to be fine because I think they know what they have in Milwaukee with guys like Colton Sissons and Austin Watson's not playing every night. Gabriel Borgs hurt right now, so I think they're okay with their fourth line right now as as it is. The backup goalie move though, that's I would interesting.
1: I would be shocked if they did anything for that just because I mean Carter Hutton's not playing awful this season. He's still not, you know, uh, a backup that I think you want to lean on, especially going into the playoffs and down the stretch. But, I mean, I'd be very surprised if they're like, hey, we've got a goaltender right now that we're using, and then we're going to trade for someone else and try to get him out.
2: Yeah, you don't don't see a lot of that happening. Um, Teams that win the Cup tend not to be trading goaltenders, and those that do... And what Ryan Miller's and maybe Roberto no, Ryan Miller's probably the last one I could think of which was a good I got at the deadline yeah, yeah that worked it.
0: out great for St. Louis yeah,
2: yeah the, the, you know, those things <laughs> just don't have a history of working because you know, a lot of what the Goldeners uh, play makes sense in in a system and they have to be used to the system you change the system maybe they're not effective in the same way you just yeah. never know
1: Jaroslav Halak I think it was that same year where he went from St. Louis to Buffalo and then he was at Buffalo for maybe a practice and then got traded to Washington Like, and that yeah, I think I think it
2: worked for the Flyers a little bit, but that was mainly dumb luck.
1: Yeah, right. And it worked for them later. You're talking about getting Steve Mason, right?
2: Um, no, I was thinking prior,
1: but okay. Uh, well, yeah, the Steve
2: Mason thing—it worked out eventually.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Eventually, it didn't really help them that season. No, nothing could help them that season.
0: <laughs> one <laughs> of our one of our uh, seasons. favorite followers on Twitter, uh, Rachel Freeman, writes in. She's got a three. She's got three. Rapid. She only gets two.
2: No, I'm she can do all three. That's she can fine. Get she all do all three.
0: <laughs> Uh, with growing confidence in Yarncroke, which that was evident with the uh, with the two Western Canada games in Winnipeg and Edmonton, Yarncroke seemed to play more as the game went on. With growing confidence in Cali on the penalty kill, do you feel that management will slowly start to fade out Ribeiro? I think Ribeiro's going to fade himself wait, out. Wait, I'm confused. <laughs> She's asking about the, the – uh, and I agree with her on this, is that the uh, we're starting to see more of Cali Yarncroke in late-game situations, games on the line, uh, other teams trying to press back. Yroncroak's minutes go up in the second and the third period, uh, especially the last two games where they've got a lead to, t- to take care of. Yroncroak, showing he's playing pretty well in the penalty kill, he's doing good as far as more of a shutdown role. He's actually closer to a David Legwand type than I actually thought. I mean, we kind of joked with the two, with you and I and Chris, as soon as the trade was made, that like, oh, they're getting a smaller Swedish Yar- uh, Legwand. But I don't think that he's—he's he's not a—he doesn't do the same job that Ribeiro's doing. Therefore, I don't think he's going to fade. He's going no, to cause Ribeiro to miss minutes. I, I think you, you, they you s- they allow each other to exist.
2: Yeah, and I think the, the same. The, what you, while you're seeing that swap is is just a matter of how to play, how they need to play the game because once you've got that lead guy, you tend to play Roberto less not because he because he Roberto himself doesn't generate a lot of shots. He generates he sets up plays and, and generates offense in that way, um, but you know. Ri- I almost said Ribeiro again. Yarncroke can still drive a little bit of play, but he's also actually defensively responsible. He's going to he's gonna back check. He's going to be reliable in the defensive zone. And you're going to want that at that point in, later in the game.
1: Yeah, and I was uh, going to kind of hit on what you just said. Whereas if you're looking at, you know, you're down by a goal late in the game, you're probably not going to put Yarncroke out there. You're probably going to put Ribeiro out there to start getting stuff going.
0: I put Yarncroke out there before Mike Fisher right now.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but so when, and, uh, when Croak starts producing, if he ever starts producing, the, re, the rate Ribeiro is doing, then I could maybe see that conversation start to get in there, and like maybe replaces him. But as of right now, Yarncroke's doing a lot of really good things. But, I mean, his production is one of them.
0: I agree with you on that. Um, let's see. Why in the world has there been a musical left-winger on the first line? We talked a bit about this earlier because yeah, I feel oh, like sorry. that... sorry. I was like... But we've what, all...
2: Sorry, I was confused. My musical left winger. I'm like, wait, is someone particularly musically talented that they were looking for? But then I realized you meant like musical chairs. They've
1: got all the country acts coming through for the All Star game. They're gonna get, they're gonna try. I can't him out. even <laughs>
0: finish a sentence, man. <laughs> they're gonna try them out of the well, top line.
2: I need a clarification because I was being I was being very confused.
0: We talked about this a bit earlier. I feel like that Salamaki does a different job than Ribeiro does, and I feel like that as we were just as you were just mentioning that Ribeiro's role is more of a generating offense role whereas that whole when Ribeiro's out there with that line it's like they only have one job and that is hang around the net
1: well here's something too that I can uh, kind of use as a uh, comparison uh, because I saw this a lot last year so you've Link was talking about pairs so Johansson and Neil right now are fantastic pair so we're trying to figure out that one person to come and go through that and that's not nearly as easy as it seems because last year watching uh, Ovechkin and Backstrom play I mean those two are like all world elite talents And you'd think that oh you could plug anyone up in there and they would be great I mean Mike Knubel scored 29 goals for them in a season because he <laughs> At parked 37 years that. old yeah, it's probably a little <laughs> bit older than that. We're talking about, like, Crypt Keeper old. But so, like, then last year, I mean, if you run down the line, Andre Burakovsky, Tom Wilson, Joel Ward, uh, Jason Chimera, like, all these people came in and tried to fill this role there, and none of them really worked. It's just one of those things that you have to you have to try a couple of different things, and it's probably going to be someone that you're not expecting that's going to come in um, and fill that fill that role for them. I,
2: I think what would help the most is to define the utility that that left-wing spot is supposed to bring. You know, do you want that, that spot to be someone who's going to help distribute? Do you want that slot to be someone who's going to be distracting or chaotic or banging bodies? And depending on what the answer to that question is, dictates who you want to try in that role. Because
0: you can throw anybody over there. It's going to be either come down to either Kevin Fiala or Colin Wilson and which one of them is going to, I think, win the job. I think uh, I right, uh, I like the fact that we have a good pairing now with Neil and Johansson because all the good successful offensive teams, they all have that. You mentioned Getzlav and Perry, uh, Giroux and Vorchek, Backstrom and Ovechkin, uh, Tavares and Okposa, or, or whatever whichever one of his friends isn't being traded this week. We're starting to see that more and more where that's becoming the new norm. And La- you mentioned this a couple years ago when we first started talking about how effective uh, Lavi Led was as far as creating pairs and then just having a, a third unit that would just rotate to give you a different look. Let's say maybe uh no need to shuffle around an entire line, maybe just throw up a Salamaki on the top line every now and then if you want them to if it's gonna be that kind of game where they're gonna need to force a turnover, that makes sense. So I'm okay with them being kind of a musical uh left winger right now, as long as they have the depth to do it. I mean, I I mean you know, if I if
2: I'm going way off the board, uh, you know, I, I could imagine even someone like Arvidsson working there. Because if if Johansson or Neil can gain the zone and then use Arvidsson almost as, like, a distraction. Because, Ar- because the thing if Arvidsson gains the zone, he's going to shoot the puck right away, and that's maybe, maybe... You need someone close enough where they can actually get towards a rebound. So that's a little tricky. But if he's involved, he's going to be a constant shooting threat, and so you have to- so he's going to be distracted, even if he doesn't have a lot of score tolls. You know he's going to put the puck in the net. He's going to cause problems for your goaltender. So that could be one of those surprising left wings that works, even though it doesn't seem like it would work. Yeah. All right, re-
0: repeat after me real quick. Ryan? Did I see you,
2: Hansen a whole bunch? Ryan? Ryan? Joe? Yo? Joe? You, 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 Joe? Hansen. Hanson.
1: If it Bro. makes you feel any better... Peter Granberg. <laughs> to bring your blood down from boiling a little well, bit. No, I'm fine. I, if if I'm it poins- makes you me. feel any better... David Poyle made the same mistake on a radio interview. Like two weeks later, he kept saying Ryan Johansson, Ryan Johansson, Ryan Johansson. I'm with Poil. So Poyle. you're, you're Dave, not Dave, Dave, Dave and I we're tight,
0: so I would say things like he does. That's fine. If we just want to like change the lineage to Danish, that's great.
1: I can't wait for them to sign Marcus Jo. Or, uh, see, I just did it again. <laughs> I can't wait for them to sign Marcus Johansson in the off season or like in a qualifying offer from the Capitals offer sheet. Just Johansson like Johansson. Johansson, 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 Johansson. Joe and Yo. Yeah. that'll be fun that'll be fun I I can't even get one right
0: she has one last question how do you feel about Salamaki's play which touched a little bit of this earlier because she enjoys watching them watching him with Yarncroak and Johansson the yarn croak line with Salamaki and Watson was a lot of fun to watch against Edmonton,
1: which is weird because when I saw it for the first time, I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be a tire fire!" Like at at first glance, it didn't seem like there was anything like cohesion to put there. And then you watch them on the ice, like mm-hmm, everyone looks like they've got a defined role. Yeah, it looks like you know that's not a tire fire of a defensive line. This looks like what the
0: fourth line should. Yeah, be. you've, you've
2: yeah. got a, You've got an anchor There's in the third line in in Watson, and then you've got. Basically, like missiles shooting out of him in in Salamaki and in <laughs> which is fun. Who doesn't love missiles? Yeah. Well, I mean, besides, I mean, they're they hypothetical. They like, were in Canada. Miss- M- missiles, <laughs> not like literal missiles. Like I'm sure there's lots of people who are like I my my family hates missiles. We lost our home to missiles. I'm like, that's not what I meant. I apologize. No more missile talk. Stop it. No, no, Dan,
0: I, please continue the show. You know, I, I really I really like that line for, for a lot of reasons. I feel like they, that, uh, number one, and maybe it gets something offensively out of uh, Salamaki and Watson, but I like lines that whenever they're deployed with a Matias Ekholm or whenever they're deployed with a Ryan Ellis pairing, that crash the net and just play with their sticks in the ice waiting for that redirection.
1: And they're not dragging the corpses of some older <laughs> hockey players around.
0: Dreadnoughts, man. No tugboats, just dreadnoughts. <laughs> I
2: have this like Dickinson like vision of <laughs> these ghosts of, with chains on of nicer well, just bodies
1: around. Yeah,
2: and of course I default As to the it, Jim Henson version.
0: Yeah, i say it's got to be Statler and Waldorf.
1: Yeah, the Muppets version.
2: He definitely. thinks
0: he's going to score.
1: Was <laughs> 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 that he's got better again? That scoring chance oh, wasn't man. that bad. You're right. It was all bad. <laughs> <laughs> <No>! <laughs> oh, 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 oh,
0: oh. That's so. Next week's intro. That's amazing.
4: That's my ringtone.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. And we parked this in the ditch so bad. <laughs> Where was it? I I love it. This is our finest moment. This Don't is a, take this, this is, away from <laughs> This is the apex, folks. From right here, you you, you If
2: were, if if anyone was waiting for John to make his mark on this
0: show, now is the moment.
1: I have arrived. <laughs> <All> right.
0: <laughs> On that note, let's get to some bad contract offers. Um, some NHL news kicking around. Um, word has leaked out of Tampa that the Lightning, or so their first public offer to Stephen Stamkos, is an average of 8.5 AAV. Now, if that's the lowball offer, Stammer finna get paid. I mean, you got Taves and Kane, and this is not a shock to anybody. Taves and Kane are walking around with $10.5 million uh, cap hits. The offer from Stamkos is around $8.5 million. I believe their offer was eight years for $68 million. Stamkos is probably going to end up somewhere around the $9.5 to $10.5 million range. And if the Lightning, if their lowball offer is about $1 million off or or more, where I think they're going to, where he's going to finally end up, I think he's going to stay in Tampa. He, two, two
1: things on that, though, is one, you know, like you talked about Kane and Taves and everything like that. Well, Florida, no income tax. He's keeping more of that money than Kane and Taves are taking. So there's an advantage right here. Um, another one is also on the opposite side. It's the Lightning organization saying, you know what? Here are the public figures. If he didn't take it, that is, you know, athlete running for money and fan base. That's we tried. It's another way for them kind of doing damage control uh, That's there.
0: a very smart fan base in Florida. Now, Florida's, I mean, I've said this before with them, is that that is a very educated sports market. That they've uh, they've got a lot of teams down there, and you have to be good and entertaining at the same time to fill the building. Now, the Lightning are. The Lightning know what they have, also. They have Tyler Johnson, Kucherov, Nemesnikov, who's playing on the top line right now, looking really good. But they've made their share of uh, of bad contracts, too. Matt Carl, he's about $4.5 million and not even playing.
1: Right well I also wasn't mean they to They have
0: the money to to sign Stammer for what he wants. The, it just comes down to them getting out of some of these bad deals. Oh
1: sure, but at the same, and I didn't mean to like imply that that's uh you know that's all that they're going to do, but if negotiations somehow deteriorate from where they're at, they could say like look, these are hardball figures of what, what we were looking at which as a first off offer is not a bad offer. No. He's going to get paid more than that, but as a because in any negotiation, you're going to uh, lowball if you're the one not wanting to spend a bunch of money and if you're the one wanting to get it paid, you're going to go astronomically high. That's when, when people were saying that, uh, like I think it was... Uh, Eric
0: Stahl wanted $9 million, do you remember that? Yeah,
1: exactly. So you're, you're saying that because like you are in no way going to come and get that much money, but you at least have a starting point to get to.
2: I love some good, clean hockey drama, and we are getting so much of that from the Lightning right now. Oh. I want this Stamkos stuff to drag out for as long. I want July 1st to roll around, and Stamkos n- still not have signed. He may sign for Tampa in the end, but I just want the drama of like everyone in the league just fighting over Stamco's, Like rumor okay.
0: accounts springing up all Man. throughout Twitter. This hurts me. This hurts me, Link. It really does. But I'll, I counter with you this. What's better? The drama in Tampa of, is he going to sign, is he not going to sign, or the self-loathing in Toronto when he does sign. Because I want that sooner than I want the drama in Tampa.
2: Well, I, I think it's all, I mean, it's all Grant, one and the same. It's all the same kind of soap opera with the NHL. Uh, and I think, I think, I mean, we can have both is the great thing. That's the great thing. <laughs> we can have both, and I really look forward to it. Or, or like him going off board entirely and going somewhere that no one ever expected. He's not going to Philly, man. I, why, <laughs> okay, they're, they're, they, I don't think they can afford his contract with this with the cap. Um, not to mention that they've got uh, bear They don't really need uh, Steven Stamkos.
3: is
1: going to start playing left wing over. He, firing plays, he points plays every wing. He, he, plays every he plays
0: every position. He plays every position. And think there's As also a the with uh, He's going to win.
2: He's going to. win the Calder. At
0: what, some point. No, we have to talk about Jonathan Drouin because there was a rumor for a while that Nashville was interested in him. Well, was it rumor? He is an uh, he is an, indeed an Alan Walsh uh, client, and what? against the uh, against greater veteran judgment, uh, Alan Walsh, uh, under his direction, sat out a uh, an AHL game.
2: Yeah, now, where do we come out on that? I okay, I want to just go ahead and start with this, if you don't
1: mind. No, go for it.
2: I because people were really hammering Durant over this, really hammering him, and and frankly, I. You know, from from what we have been told, it would make sense. If there's an impending deal, hockey is a very injury-prone sport. You don't want a guy at risk. I mean, in, in soccer, if you're going to buy a player, the first good sign he's actually leaving is that he just stops playing because you don't risk your valuable asset. And so if there was a legitimate trade, it was going to go through. Walsh and andrew were confident that it was going to happen. And he said, please, I would prefer not to play until the trade is, trade goes through. It just makes more sense. It protects your assets. There's logic there. And then, you know, being forced, he's, you know, I look at it as someone, you've got Walsh, who's a very aggressive agent, has a history of these sort of things. And then you have an unhappy hockey player. It's not that far off to think they're going to set a game. One, protect the asset. Two, it says that I have a little bit of power in this. Because a player at that age has no leverage, no power, is basically little more than a barcode. Pretty much. So I, I say more, you know, if you need to make a statement, fine. People are going to call you impetuous. People are going to say you don't fit within the hockey culture. People are going to insult you left and right. And you're, everyone's going to be like, oh, well, it's Walsh again. He's doing what Walsh does. Maybe Walsh really does have the best the player's best interest in mind. Because it's not like Duran's going to go out and sign a massive contract next, like this year. So Walsh is going to get a cut there yet. I mean, he, but he wants he wants to get that cut eventually. Mm-hmm. So put his player somewhere where he's going to be successful. So it doesn't bother me one bit. I think I think he, they're just they're trying to play hardball with Eisenman, and I, I think what they're doing makes sense. Um, I'm not saying I'm on anyone's side. I just think that that there's a reason and there's thought behind what he did. It's not him being impetuous. Yeah,
1: yeah I think the hardest part for whenever juin gets trade if he gets traded because still at this point we still have no idea if he's ever going to get traded um it, it's leaning towards that but we still don't know uh, i think the hardest part for him is going to be the optics of all this with his new team basically you know hey you you wanted more ice time that you didn't deserve or didn't get or anything like this and now you're you know throwing a throwing a fit and like i i, I see the I, I see your point i see the other point too and it's, it's one of those things like i don't really want to like i don't want to judge i don't want to like Come not down. Say the kids being selfish. I, I don't want to say like Alan Walsh has everything in mind because he's an agent. He's looking for that that paycheck. But this, this is just such a odd odd situation.
2: I think Duran wasn't even playing badly with the Lightning. His numbers for where the mints he was playing and the linemates he was playing with were actually really good. They and and they said they said uh, he deserves more ice time. And what did he get? Less ice time. So I mean, what's he if if Duran is doing everything he can to play well. The coach is saying, you're not playing well, you're going to sit. You're not, playing, you're not playing at all, and you're not earning it in practice or, whatever, or something like that. You're going to the AHL, and you're going to play down there. And then he plays as hard as he can down there for a while and has a few good games. And, you know, and people are like, oh, he didn't score next many games. It's hockey. Guys go without scoring. Once he's a playmaker. Yeah, what's, what's he supposed to do at some point if he, can, if he can play well and play somewhere near his ability and not achieve anything in the coach's eyes?
0: I've got a dream scenario with this. And this, I say this as a Lightning and a Predators fan. For the Lightning to package up Drewann and Matt Carl, the four and a half million dollar anchor, and trade him to St. Louis, and you may say, "Oh no, Jonathan Drewann, a player of that caliber going to St. Louis." The coach is still Ken Hitchcock. That kid's going to be ruined, and then the Lightning will now have four and a half million dollars more to throw at Stamkos and Kucherov, and all's well that ends
1: well. And then St. Louis resigns Backus for Kessler money.
0: Yes. Everyone wins to that situation. Yeah, exactly. We're going to touch on that, too. Uh, There's a lot of rumors a lot of rumors uh, swirling around David Backus. Uh, will the Blues trade him or not? Unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And this was a guy that I wanted the Predators to at least consider going after if they didn't make a number one center move because Backus at least had two or three good years left and then five or six really yeah, years left. It hasn't really stopped them before going after guys like Ribeiro and Fisher. But I've always liked David Backus a whole lot despite the unfortunate team he plays for. It, this screams Ryan Kessler 2.0. Screams it. Except David Backus actually scores goals.
1: Can we just have a moment to appreciate how awesomely terrible that Kessler contract is? It's great. It's so beautiful. It's pretty bad. It's so bad. So bad.
0: I yeah. mean, Backus, is, Backus doesn't have the mileage that Kessler does in as far as the injuries that he's accrued. At the same time... At the end of the day, he is David Backus.
1: It's going to kind of remind me of, uh, to go back, do you remember when Brad Richards was like the crop of the free agent pile and New York threw all that money at him? Uh, I don't think at this juncture David Backus is as good a player as Brad Richards was at that point, but it kind of reminds me of the same idea. But who
0: all's left? If Stamco signs in Tampa, which I think there's about a two-thirds chance he does, I think, at Mm -hmm. this point. Eric Stahl may not leave Carolina. Right, he loves Carolina. Mm-hmm. He's and got they're a, they're actually you know,
1: doing some so, winning
2: right now. And he may not be physically capable of leaving the city. He just uh, he may just be shattered and broken.
0: Yeah, he may just have an ankle brace. So we not we don't we may not even know. Yeah. David Backus may be it as far as the free agent market goes this year for centers at least. Yeah, because yeah. Kopitar's locked up. Um, I don't think that's a terrible contract. I don't think it's a great contract either. I think you know eight million dollars a year for Kopitar is is decent for I right would, now. I'd
1: do that in a heartbeat.
0: He's Ance Kopitar. He's that damn good. Um, Andrew Ladd apparently wants six years, six million dollars.
2: Good luck. The money is okay. The ye- term is obviously ridiculous.
0: If that's his highball offer, if you can get Andrew Ladd for like four and a half million dollars in the free agent market this year, absolutely, I take that. Yeah. yeah, he'd be great in the he'd be great in the Nashville system. If that's your if your first line is Ladd, Johansson, Neil, then you have Forsberg and just whomever. Okay, but we'll see. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, lastly, All-Star Game is this week. Um, what is there a particular event that you're looking forward to more than others? Like the Fanfare, uh, Skills Competition game, just watching the tourists around Nashville?
2: You know, I have to, this is a moment where I have to level everybody. Let's hear it. Historically, for the past couple seasons, well, historically, for the past couple seasons, sort of silly thing to say, <laughs> uh, the Skills Competition has stolen a lot of the thunder lately for being the more entertaining part. You know what, it's true, has been more, more entertaining part. But it's also become really, really predictable, because the highlight of of it was the shootout competition. You know, that was like, here's the point where you know we get to see all sorts of finesse. And and a few years ago, players started getting actually getting creative. I mean, they were like they actually got creative and showed personality in the ice. But now there's an expectation of that. And last season, with the All Star game, we saw predictable expression of goofiness and it was kind of dry i mean the most interesting thing was was honestly like the banter about it like gaudreau and his whole saying the stick on fire thing was like the pinnacle of the of the uh the trick shot, whatever. What's so the best... What is it? I can't remember what the name of it is. Even.
1: They they did they do a couple of different shootouts. The, the, uh, the trick shot yeah. one. Yeah, but so... Uh, I'll, I'll counter you with that. You did not enjoy Ryan Johansson taking a child up to go through there and then Voracek taking Goudreau up to there to mimic that? Um, like I, That's creativity right there because Voracek had something completely else planned and he grabbed the smallest hockey player known to man who was already he was a child. Say, I'm
2: not saying it was bad. It just was... Far more predictable in the antics, and there were high. There were certainly highlights. Uh-huh. I mean, Gaudreau in general being a highlight in that whole experience, um, like and Brian also Brian Elliott, Tarasenko I
0: am, taking a selfie,
2: or Shattenkirk taking a selfie. Great. They, I mean, yeah. I yeah. just it's, it's it's like oh, it's cute, but you know, it just doesn't. It wasn't the first couple, The first two years they started doing that was really exciting because you didn't know what players were going to do because no one had thought about doing something that was barely even related to hockey. And then the next year, you had a lot more of that, and people were just doing goofy stuff. And then after that, it was sort of like, well, who's actually going, like, the guys who just did cool hockey tricks were, like, considered, like, what are you guys doing here? Like, why are you doing cool hockey tricks? Aren't you going to do something silly and goofy and off the wall? And it sort of becomes a clown show rather than, a, and you do want to see the skill. You want to see the goofiness, but you want to see some skill on display and display, and I feel like the balance has been thrown off.
0: I agree with that. I like, well, I like now, what Alex Ovechkin <laughs> did last year. I think that's that's the one event that like kind of lends itself to the NBA slam dunk competition. So, I mean, there I expect to be a little bit of
2: goofiness to it. Now, yeah. now that I've been no fun, I'll go ahead and let John answer.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say to kind of go in your direction but and then take the ball completely out of there. Uh, like all the other stuff in there, like the accuracy thing I could give two craps about, I do not care because um, – oh cool that they're shooting at targets whatever i said that i would love them to make this like electronic wacky gator game you know like oh now i'm getting really angry and have them shoot pucks at that to try and you know get points up and do like a little competition that way Like, I, just take it out
2: i mean my my, my assumption this year is that they're going to have like a guitar or a piano they're gonna have to shoot pucks to play a song
0: yes G- kind of like big license to print money right there that's right that's freaking good. there that's awesome
1: Seriously, that is a good idea.
2: There we go. I just fix the All Star Game, everybody.
1: You're, you're going to have a celebrity cameo for that. It's going to be, oh, uh, you know. So like are we going to have
2: a Dirk moment? S Bentley, or are something. we have a moment I'm, to talk about the celebrity coaches?
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed that they haven't get like some B-rate country star to like sit in with us tonight. You know, that'd be that'd be awesome. We didn't, did you? Ask? They're just Hi, giving him out. I'm John Michael Montgomery, and this is the Pratt cast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, there's some there's some like big hockey fan celebrities in this thing, and they couldn't like try to get one of them to help out.
1: They can get, for charity? Yeah, they can get Dave Mustaine to come to a Predators game, but they can't get him to do anything uh, oh, man. Anything here.
0: That that was so cool seeing him on the Jumbotron. Just to see him like once a game. That's cool.
1: You ready for your real Nashville Predators Nashville?
0: Whoa. <laughs> That's actually a really good Dave Mustaine. Thanks. All right, you guys want to do five tough questions <laughs> and get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. I would absolutely like that let's do it okay <laughs> no, question number one uh, alexander Barkov got paid today uh, he was announced that he was signed to a six-year extension worth 5.9 aav or aggregate annual value over the next six years until 2022 given that seth jones is also a restricted free agent this year same as philip forsberg how much money do you think seth jones will ask for uh from columbus
2: I, I mean, what's he? What's he on right now? He, he's
1: on his ELC. He's
0: on his ELC. He's yeah. going bridge. The ELCs for McKinnon, Drouin, uh yeah, I, uh, the kid from Calgary, Monaghan. Monahan. Monahan, yeah, all
2: up this year. I, I, I think, um, he might be able to command like three million bridge deal, like a three million dollar bridge deal. Uh, just because I, I think I, he's he's played well with the Predators. He's played he's played very well with Columbus, with Columbus. With and if they're looking for something short term, I, th- I think you could do three million pretty
1: easily. Yeah, and they're still, 3.5. you know, in a in a state of transition right now. And I don't know if they. I mean, considering the contracts that they have on the books, I don't know if they're going to yeah. be able to afford to give him like you know a six million dollar contract well, for several years. Yeah. So you let him, you know, you give him that bridge deal with the expectation to be like, look, we know that you're going to be really good. Let us I mean, work it, through some of the contract shit that we have to do, and then get out there.
2: I and mean, they have a long way to go on the team and the danger with Jones and a bridge deals one, if you go a longer term deal, I think you end up having to actually pay him more, a larger amount. Mm-hmm. And it's not really in his, his being Jones best interest to take that longer deal. I think because if he can take a bridge deal and get closer to it and, and try to accelerate his client towards free agency, he can pick the team he wants to go to and do really, really well for himself.
1: Absolutely, especially considering he'll be, if he signs a you know a two-year bridge deal or something like that, he'll yeah. be 23. Yeah. And he's got so much more growth to do. So,
2: I mean, I, I think Jones' best interest is, to, even if he takes the less money now, uh, it, it's probably his best interest because then he'll be able to pick his market and pick his team and get paid a really good salary if he gives it this level of play. So, you know, I think it's a
0: win-win because it also gives Columbus time to prove
2: themselves.
0: Eric Carlson uh, is on a uh, deal right now. Just by comparison, Eric Carlson signed a uh, pretty heavy extension a few years ago, right after his ELC expired. He was uh, let's see, his is around his cap is around six point five million. His salary went from five, five and a half, six, six and a half, seven, 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 seven and a half. So he won't get anywhere close to Eric Carlson money. You're thinking you're thinking he gets close to like four and a half, five AAV. If he went a longer term deal, Jones has a
2: long way to go before he's Eric Carlson level. I mean Eric Carlson is. A top five defenseman in the league, number, but this maybe is, even top two. But, you could argue that. Yeah. But this is Columbus.
0: This is a this is a market that is star. I mean, that's not to just throw a massive amount of magnolia tree shade, as Mario would like to say, towards Columbus. But <laughs> this is Columbus. This is a team that has never had a good number one defenseman do you think they're just coming because they're going to have to keep this guy at, happy s-
2: at some point kekelein has to come to his senses and stop just throwing money at things because you know if, when he first came in into the league and started making moves everyone's like oh kekelein really has a plan he looks really smart It's very exciting i mean john it, john
0: you're dan you're john <laughs> dan
2: know. you know we were singing his praises early on
0: yeah we were we, i think we ranked him in the top 10 for general managers yeah. when we did our couple years a couple seasons ago yeah and and now, you look at it, and you're like, he's got all these bad contracts. His player, his, his roster's a mess. You're paying Cam Atkinson $3.5 million. Yeah. You're paying Nick Foligno five million. You're paying Dan, Brandon Dubinsky. Okay, that one's not bad. But you gave up the farm to get Brandon Sod.
2: Yeah, I I, I just... You know, you, the team is not being terribly well-run at the moment. I have a lot of questions about their long-term viability, and, and Kekalina has to get the team straightened out. I can't imagine that... Um, Seth Jones is going to be advised to try and stay in Columbus. Or... No, he's
0: no. He's, so he's yeah. No, so, so if you can get him on a Barkoff type deal that eats away a couple of UFA years, do you think you'd do it? No, I don't. I don't.
1: Not if you're Seth Jones. Is, probably he
0: still has to agree to the deal at some point. Yeah, but if you are Seth Jones, that means that you don't have to sign another deal in Columbus. You can just walk at the end of the contract. Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, I, but I that's
1: think, still six years in Columbus.
0: I mean, The thing about it is is,
2: you know, Seth Jones can be able to to at some point begin to flex the limited ability muscle he has in negotiations, and he'll really be able to put a lot of pressure on if he's taken to arbitration.
1: And you also mentioned it earlier where he's from that sports family. I mean, I'm sure his dad is going to give him a lot of advice as far as what's well, going to be good
0: who, for who his. Who runs his well, agency? I think yeah. Yeah. he's part isn't of like it, Jay-Z's group. is he
2: part of Jay-Z's group? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's the reason why his I was agent like. Is, is Jay-Z. I mean,
0: <laughs> you can't tell him he won't be playing for like the Islanders or the Rangers or the Bruins at some point. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, he's, he's probably, he's going to be able to write his paycheck and write his destination if he plays it smart. There's no reason for him not to play
0: it really smart.
3: Yeah. So. Here's,
0: here's the thing that would be, would worry me if I'm a Blue Jackets fan. Right now, the Blue Jackets' their top two paid defensemen are being paid 4.5 and 4.37 cap hit. You know who those two guys are?
1: Uh, is one of them Savard? No, neither of them are Savard. Is it uh, uh,
0: Fedor Tootin and Jack Johnson? Tootin, that's what I was going to say. So you can't tell me that the number one defenseman on that team is going to get paid less than those guys. Just throwing it out
1: there. 21 year old. I
0: don't and, know. You, you know, you got to keep him happy. But
2: again, if it, bridge deal. I mean, I think bridge deal is written all over this. And, yeah. you're gonna, and bridge deals involve having less money than you expect. So, you know. So it's going to happen to Forsberg probably. I wouldn't expect the three. No, exactly. I
0: wouldn't expect, I mean, 3.5, something like that. Number two, um, Johansson's also doing a new contract in the summer after this. So the 2017 summer. If Johansson keeps producing at the current pace, which is just over a point a game, what should Nashville look to earmark for his Joey's next deal? Because right now, it's getting it's probably getting close to that seven million dollar range. I would right?
1: say, I would say look, the Ryan O'Reilly contract is kind of comparable like a seven, seven point five million dollar uh, range for six years, something like that.
2: I think that's reasonable. Though knowing Poyle he'll probably do something special. Probably yeah. he seems to have like this weird contract magic sometimes.
0: And Johansson was will a guy
1: sign for two million.
0: Johansson was a guy that was very very comfortable in Columbus. And you remember seeing his backyard where it had like a Blue Jackets basketball court. Like mm-hmm. he was he loved playing there. And the fans, I mean, we when you and I were up there, number one, Columbus fans have the worst luck with jerseys ever. Yeah. All the jerseys we saw were either Johansson, Hartnell, who's probably going to get traded this year, Nash, Jeff Carter, saw a couple of those, James Wisniewski, and the oh. list goes on. Yeah. They have like the worst luck. Um, see, I think that's about fair. Link,
2: I can't. I can't fundamentally give a different number. I'm on board with the seven seven five.
0: I'm on board with that too. Number three, what is your least favorite skills competition event? Mm, the annual all star game. John,
1: I'm going to go with what I said before: is the uh, accuracy.
0: I always like the accuracy it was cool. Uh, no, I, I, um, I like.
2: I actually, um, I like that part of the competition with with like. Having to get in the little tiny nets and everything because it, it is like the coolest. So that, that's that's not the one that I'm talking no, he's about. about like the shot accuracy. But have the plates. But don't they have a, like the relay as part the, of that? The
1: relay is different. The relay is really cool because they have to shoot oh. it. Like the goalies have to shoot into the tiny nets from well, like oh, 200 you're just feet
2: down. The static accuracy shot. I like yeah. that because Claude Drew does well.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the <laughs> the target is like this big, and I'm making like a, almost a ballerina sized like motion right now. It's huge and there's only like 4 of them. Like yeah. there was a video that I saw when I was in college with um, Ovechkin shooting Russian dolls. Did you see that one? And there's like 15 of them on the nets and he's hitting every single one of them. It's like do that or something or again go back to the Wackagator.
2: You you could you could put um Yanzu w- you know, all star, you know, beer bottles on all the nets. Winter Park Weeks. Exactly. Or like the, Park whole, wheat, the, yeah. the
1: Home Alone one, where, he's, you know, where Kevin's shooting the uh, action figures into the laundry chute off of uh What we're, what we're, that. s- what we're
2: saying, all star game organizers, is we want novelties glued to hockey nets so people can shoot them with various objects. Absolutely. Doesn't have to be a pucker or a stick, whatever. I
0: mean, what did Mark Wahlberg say? Welcome to Tennessee, patron stain of shooting stuff. Number four, what is the, in honor of your travel misadventures, Link, uh, what is the worst city to have a layover or be stuck in uh, for an extended period of time during winter?
2: What city? Is what it? city so slash it's airport? Be, it's so it's got to be one that actually is going to get layovers or you're going to get stuck in.
0: Yeah, because you're not mm. going to get stuck in like the Tampa airport because unless it's a hurricane and then, you know, those are all worth... Yeah, or
2: you're trip. flying somewhere that, that you can't get to. Yeah. Um... And any any small regional airport, I imagine you would stuff to get stuck in the Gainesville airport for any period of time. Um, have you been to the Gainesville airport? Yes. There's like one chair, and you everyone has to split it.
0: Yeah, but you're still if you're stuck in Gainesville, like it's not the end of the world.
2: Well, I thought you had to be stuck in, in the airport.
0: Well, the city. The question reads layover by stuck or layover in a city or worst city to have a layover and be stuck. in. Oh, I I just applied the airport criteria yeah. to it. Uh, but let's assume the airport has, has transit at least still running.
2: I don't, I mean, that's, that's tough because I, I have been so fortunate with flying over the years that I've not been stuck in a lot of cities. Um, and those that I get stuck in have been like, like Atlanta and Charlotte and like you know, some really cool cities. So um, yeah, I, I
1: guess if it was in the wintertime, you're probably looking at like Edmonton. Oh, you know, Winnipeg. where Winnipeg.
2: honestly, where I would, what would hate to be stuck is is, is Chicago. Um, well, because one, if you even if if like you're stuck at the airport and the question is how long you stuck there, if you have enough time to even take the train into the city,
1: that's a bad layover.
2: I mean, that's a bad layover already. So your day's already ruined. And now you're going into the heart of Chicago in the winter where it's freezing cold. There's a really good chance you don't have the clothes for that because who knows where your bag is. So, I mean, not this is not a knock on the city of Chicago, but where the airport is versus where the city is. Are talking about Midway or O'Hare?
3: It
0: doesn't uh, matter.
2: It doesn't matter. Okay. doesn't matter. Neither is particularly close. Um, though I think Midway's a bit closer.
0: It's a little bit closer, yeah. Yeah. It's one of Southwest um, flies into.
2: Yeah. I think that, that'd just be a rough place just because you may not be prepared. It's kind of far away. You need a lot of time, and that's just really, really bad. Copy, paste. And I, I also, uh, there's the idea that you could maybe rent a car and drive Chicago. And I say that Knowing that that's impossible. Yeah, you, not to rent a car,
0: but not you, there's no way you're gonna drive anywhere. How many uh, how many people does it take to drive in the Midwest and they're in the winter? Uh, six, one to drive and uh, one to, to steer and five to push through the snow. I uh, remember that fondly. Yeah, let's see. The midway is actually on like Horn. the um, like the southwest side of town. So you're also close to like the south area of Chicago, which is everyone knows right now, just bullet ridden. And I've like, I've been to
2: a soccer game there.
0: Yeah, Toyota Park's like right on the other side of the train. I've been tracks. there. Their
2: parking lot, dreadful, terrible parking lot.
3: Man,
0: mm. big shock. I was going with that.
2: Um, oh, oh, another, another, just another good answer for that. Yeah, uh, the Colorado Airport, Denver Airport.
0: I was going to say Denver, like it
2: could be kind of cool. Well, but. no, no. Here's the thing, though. That you know where the Denver Airport is? It's about like a thirty minute drive from Denver.
0: It's, it's a newer airport, from what I remember. But it, it is so it's, far it's actually,
1: away. It's actually as an airport itself, it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, the airport's cool, but it's not near anything. Like, it is it is like an $80 cab ride Ugh. from what? from Denver. They it's a, insanity.
0: They have public transit, though. Why is... Because the airport is forever
2: away from everything. You're like, oh, it's Colorado. There should be plenty of space. Let's put the airport... Oh, no kidding.
0: Like, it's on the other side of the Rocky, Mar- Rocky Mountain uh, National yeah. Arsenal. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's because it, because it not just services Denver, but it services all the other cities. So it's kind of like equidistant, so it's not convenient to anybody.
0: Well, it's like the requisite airport for, like, Southern Wyoming and Nebraska. Yeah, so and, it's, that'd be a yeah, rough
2: airport just because you, you literally cannot go anywhere because it's, it is a, it is going to take you half an hour and 80 bucks to get downtown. Or not even downtown, near downtown.
0: Mm. Nice. Number five. This one may be my favorite of the day for this one. Um, worst rumor you've heard involving another team so far during the deadline? Because we've heard some rumors about the Minnesota Wild going after Jonathan Drouin, which is hilarious for me because... The Wild c- players are complaining that their centers aren't good enough. So, Drouin, another good winger. A
1: okay. playmaking w- winger at that.
0: Yeah, that's going to be soul crushed by Mikeyo's system. You heard about the Blues going after Jonathan Drouin as well. I'm seeing some rumors now about Scott Hartnell going to the St. Louis Blues, which makes perfect sense because they're going to have to uh, uh, sign David Backus to that stupid contract. I don't know how they're going to do that without Scott Hartnell. So, what? If, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> what? The Blues right now have uh, no cap space, is the joke there.
1: No, I, I got it. That's <laughs> why I, I think I'm laughing for a different reason than Link's laughing.
0: I think we're all laughing for our own personal reasons. Yeah. And the Blues this year have, this is their unrestricted free agents right now, David Backus, Troy Brower, Kyle Brodziak, yeah, Kyle Brodziak's a blue, Carl Gunnarsson, who they really like. That's why Steve Ott is still, wow. Someone's going to pay,
1: pay first Troy Brower Steven. so much money. Because he's got a Canadian passport and tons of leadership.
0: Yeah, he, he was a passenger <laughs> on a Cup team. Yeah, he's only thirty. Wow, well, the Browers. Older he's got
1: a right. Stanley Cup. Yeah, he also got paid. That's, Cat, that's Cat because he. Menezes. That's because he acts mature, Daniel.
0: He, he went full government name on me. Uh, Brower's getting paid three point six million right now. Yeah, whatever. Wow. <laughs> exactly. So. What, what, what's, what's bad out there? What's a, I mean, Vinny LeCavalier oh. going to the Kings was pretty good, but what, what's a dumb... That,
1: act, that actually happened, though.
0: Yeah. what's are talking r-
1: about, like, a rumor,
2: rumor What's a
0: dumb, what's the dumbest rumor you've heard so the far this year? The dumbest
2: rumor? Anything yeah. involving Eric Stahl. Literally anything involving Eric Stahl. Because um, I don't, I can't see why any team would, would want to acquire him. I mean, he's in per- he's picked up a little bit, but...
0: Let's say if you're Minnesota, no, you're, that's not the Oh, the if
2: the you're war. Yeah, if you're absolutely desperate. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a
1: last ditch, we desperately need to send, there's no other option, Maybe it'll shut up Ryan Suter? Sure, go for it. Here's one, and I hate having to go... This is like the fourth time that I've gone back to this well, but I've been racking my brain and can't think of it. Uh, Elliot Friedman was linking the Washington Capitals to... Are you ready for it? Dustin Bufflin. And it just, like...
0: That's not terrible.
1: It's But I don't know. Maybe it's just, like, would I be okay with that as a Capitals fan? Yeah, probably, because Bufflin's a really good player, as much as I hate his stupid face. Um, Does he
2: play left or right defense?
1: I th- he's I right-handed, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. So yeah, I would assume that he plays right defense. But I'd, off the
0: top of my head, I wouldn't be. I'm able just to saying he played question. left wing for the Predators. Maybe. I've seen Maybe. I've Dustin seen left wing? people asking yeah. about for Dustin Buffon to be the, the missing sixth defenseman. I'm like, really, Dustin Buffalo? No, he's
2: the missing he's the missing forward that the Predators need. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he won a cup.
0: The worst. Uh, the worst. I column I've seen written the entire year was on November 30th by Stan Fischler. I'll even call him out for this because he actually said, and I'm going to quote this real quick, and we're going to end on this note, um, talking about Sidney Crosby here. and This is the, um, talking about this one, Crosby off to bad start. I remember this. The captain, re- if the, the captain remains an untouchable, but it seems more and more likely that Evgeny Malkin will be GM Rutherford's best chip to play during the trading sweepstakes. The deal I can see... Malcolm to Carolina for Eric Stahl. Like, what are you doing? Like, someone thought that that would be a good idea to write that. The website's the Hockey News. You're supposed to know the game and know the contracts. That suggestion
2: is about as good as making Patrick King captain of the uh, Central All-Star team.
0: That's about on par.
2: I don't even... Yeah, it's it's bad.
1: Of course, the Hockey News hasn't produced any good columns, uh, you know, years.
3: Yeah.
2: I once thought, of, it was like a few years ago, I thought about getting a subscription. I'm like, oh, maybe I should get a subscription to Hockey News. And then I like, started reading the articles with regularity. I'm like, nope.
1: Well, I, w- I used to read them uh, a lot in college and maybe this is because I didn't know any better, but I thought that their stuff you know, back then was great, and well, then I, I it was daily reading for they
2: me. They have they have planted their feet in the ground, and said said we do not like the new school of hockey analysis. We're going to be old school, and frankly, that is embarrassing. Now. Yeah, because
1: somehow Ken Campbell still has a job. So
2: it, the whole I think it's less that, that you know they were the pinnacle, you know, when you were in college, and now they've trend, they've they haven't moved, and right. everyone else has advanced beyond them.
0: Well, I think that there's some truth to that. I think they kind of cater to that old style market because we're because. If you have access to internet if you you know like the more like the more advanced stuff then you know there's people like us that cater to that market so hey, we don't give it, you everybody.
2: free keychains with your team's logo on it
0: no we don't do that we need to get in on that I do want to do some 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 point some some cool merch which we'll talk a little off here on that one so looking ahead uh, there's only a couple of games for the all-star break uh, it'd be really nice to do a clean sweep on this road trip but Tuesday night they go to Vancouver to play Let's see. Uh, the Canucks. Which, which is the healthy to Is it Henrik right now or Daniel?
1: Henrik. Uh,
0: I think Henrik's the healthy one. Rick. Yeah. yeah, that guy.
2: Rick Sedin.
0: And then the follow-up uh, next night against Calgary, if you had to put money down right now on a prediction that's probably going to be wrong by this time tomorrow, are you going to go with Hutton or Rene against the Canucks or the Flames? Which, which one do you play, on Hutton. You play, why do you play Hutton at one of them? Because oh, he's the a, back-to-back, a back-to-back, yo.
2: Yeah, if I could actually look at the top above the February line, I might actually read the right part of the schedule. It's a bold move, Cotton. Yeah, let me let me let me fix that. Um
1: I would say start Hutton tomorrow, Tuesday, so that Renee plays and you kinda of cut down on the amount of time that he has in between games. Even though he's gonna be playing in the All Star game and doing all that stuff, it's not gonna be he'll you know, playing. He'll just be physically taxing.
2: I'm I'm uh, in full agreement with John. I concur. I think you play uh, Hutton versus the somewhat anemically shooting
0: Canucks. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All right, two and o, one and one. I think they they at least need to go one and one. They can't lose both of these games.
2: I'm I'm going back to my old school bold predictions of two and o.
1: I you know what? I'm going to be optimistic here. I'm going to say that they're going to go clean sweep. They're not going to Nimbus the road trip. They're going to clean sweep the road trip. Nice.
2: They New low for us.
1: Uh, so, some, some, I've got people right now that are hitting the subscribe button so hard.
0: So looking at the rest of the – looking at uh, just kind of where they are, um, they make it through January, still in playoff position, which if they win both these games or at least win one of those games, they are still there. It's there for the taking in February. I mean, they've got a lot of home games in February. March isn't too bad either. And they got three they got uh, three other last four at home against other Western Conference teams. In April, I really like where they're at right now. As, as long as they could just keep it afloat. I mean, they're not where we want them to be, but I can tolerate where they are. It's kind of where you're at.
1: Yeah, and you expect Colorado to start losing games pretty soon. At some point, they got to. At some to. point.
0: That's what we say, at least. All right, anything else before we close the book?
1: No, maybe uh, Hutton can make Verbata look bad so his trade value goes down, and then he becomes the first line left wing. Uh. That's I, a
2: conversation I, for another I, I day. I hope I'm you don't done. get
0: nuked by Gandhi. Yeah, man, Gandhi, sob man. He's 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 rough stuff. Yeah. You can find him on Twitter at three D link. You can find John on Twitter at jgarcia36 with some nice snow pictures of Buster. Yo. Yeah. He seemed like he was having a great time.
1: Yeah, he hadn't had snow like that since uh, last year, 2014, actually, when we were living in Elkhart.
0: Nice. What's the worst uh, snow you had up there?
1: In Elkhart? Yeah. Uh, We had a dump of two feet once, I think. Uh, But, I mean, pretty much from November, Thanksgiving, until after I left, it was nothing but snow. Uh, That's what happens in the Midwest. Like, the snow goes, and then it doesn't go anywhere because it's too cold to melt. You
0: can find myself on Twitter at Dandy Bradley. You can follow the show at OnTheForeCheck. We'll be back to you all next week with lots of stories from the All-Star Game because... uh, kind of what we do hopefully
1: we should write some things down so we don't forget them because yeah. so much stuff is going on
0: yeah that's, this is true and that's, also uh stay tuned we'll we them. may be putting together a little bit of a family union for all of our Predcast listeners and on the forecheck uh viewers stay tuned for that we don't know all the details just yet but uh we'll talk to you next week everyone be safe and uh have a good week